This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Medicic, where's Ryan going? Does anyone any more of what I force you guys and gals to do here at WABC, which is to work, 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 work? Let me hear that music. Oh, you should have seen how Ryan and Ava ran out of this building. They said we had enough two hours of Sliwa earlier today, three to five. And coming off of what may have been two of the greatest hours of a six-hour extravaganza in the wee hours of the morning when it was only two of us. That's right, Matt Blaze. There's no doubt in my mind you're a fugitive from law. But HR doesn't want to do a deep dive. I'm telling them you could be the next George Santos, except in this case at WABC Radio. All these aliases, I know one day I'm going to cold bust you. Matt Blaze, board operator for the worst side of the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. So that means he'll get in here. God only knows when. And then, of course, there's Runway Ken, and we proved yesterday Runway Ken. We don't need a phone screen. It was just Broadway, Bill Lee, and yours truly. 75 years of experience in radio. And we had it in lockdown. And maybe had one of the best programs we've ever had in the better side of the other side of midnight when I take you to the break of dawn, which is Saturday mornings, 12 to 6. So nice. The suits let me do it twice. Sunday mornings, 12 to 6. By the way, our... Uh, our phone screener and nighttime producer Avery was on a hush-hush-mush-mush assignment sent there by the suits. I'm not at liberty to say. So we had to do it what normally we do with three. We did with two. And you see, that's how we have to propel forward, both in government, both in the private sector. you got to do more with less, and you've got to be even more productive. Now, I know that's going to be difficult for all of you hipster millennials, Generation X, Y, Z, God only knows what you are, to scrape the barnacles off your backside and get your rear end gear. And then, of course, there's uh, Alex, the brown-nosed producer for the Frank Morano Show, my God, he's got his uh, schnoz right up to tush you, Frank. Yes, Frank, whatever you want, Frank. Oh, my God. So that means it's the McWhitey-Whitey crew now here. God, you could not get any whiter than the crew that Frank Morano has. They are cockazoids. You know, deliverance, think of deliverance. Now think of Frank Morano's crew for the worst side of the other side of midnight. And, of course, in between, almost like the reverse Oreo cookie, because the fudging's on the outside, it'll be Dominic Carter in for an hour from 12 to 1, who's been on a spectacular run of late. 
I mean, he's really coming to his own, Dominic Carter. I think he understands he's no longer a reporter. He's no longer Mr. TV. That's the problem with some of our colleagues. I'm not going to mention names. That they are TV people who do radio as a sideline. No. I do radio as a passion. And what happened to the music? What the hell was that? Did you just pull the plug on me? I was on a roll. You see, Matt, you don't have the, you don't have the uh, dexterity. You don't have the flow of a veteran like Broadway Bill Lee. 40 years, WCBS-FM, still sitting, still sitting shiver because Scott Shannon has retired in the morning. Him and Joe Carsey going back and forth. But he saw us on the weekend as a special favor to yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, because he knows that I conflate the AM and the FM. Except we don't have to do it with WCBS-FM. We do it with our own WLIR. Conflated right out to the east end of Long Island, where right now, sitting in his compound, is Andrew Evilize Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, plotting his return, like Napoleon on the island of Elba. And there at his beck and call is his brainless brother, Fredo, Chris Cuomo, pretty boy, just like you can, with a muscle between both ears. And their wartime consigliere, Joe Pococo, just finished doing a six-year bid at a federal camp for political corruption on behalf of the Cuomos. And now he has the culions, the huevos, to go before the United States Supreme Court and say, oh, you should throw out the charges. What do you mean? You're all crooks. But I love talking TNFM, FM, which stands for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, Frank Morano, and the president of our FM division, WLIR, Frank McKay. But let's get specific. Forget all the other ancillary things. Forget all the tchotchkes here. Oh, podcasts, videos, this. It's like bells and whistles. What makes us the number one news talk station in the nation is... We are AM active-minded. We've got 50,000 powerful watts of sound. At this very moment, as night has set in, we can be heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas, which, as you know, has been a, a sanctuary for cryptocurrency pirates, and Bermuda, which used to be the place where Michael Billionaire Bloomberg would slip away every weekend and say to the media, eh, oofa to you, I don't got to tell you where I am when I'm mayor. And now, through the benefits of modern technology, you can have an app in your iPhone, your smartphone, and you can hear us crystal clear all over the world, all over the globe. I don't know about Antarctica, we'll have to ask the penguins and the scientists who cop a squat there. Oh, you know, uh, sci- oh, oh, the scientists, they don't know anything. We're going to get into the global warming and, and climate change that's taking place. Because I know those scientists who live on that ice floe in Antarctica with the penguins, they know nothing about nothing, right? Who the hell would choose to live in Antarctica, right? Oh, but they don't know anything. You, all of you, you're, you're a couch potato. There's no such thing as global warming. What's happening in California? Well, you know... You know, well, well, what do I know? Tell me. You go from drought to floods? This is like biblical. This is like, remember Charlton Heston with Yul Brenner, right? Remember? You're looking at me, Matt Blair. Charlton Heston, remember Moses, Yul Brenner the Pharaoh. 
And all the sins and all the plagues. You know, the locusts, the water turned red, the first male born dead. All of that, right? And then the Jews, they get lost 40 years in the desert. 40 freaking years. Jesus Christ, 40 days and 40 nights, right? He truncates it. The Jews, they get the uh, testaments. Moses goes up to the burning bush. What are they, 2,852 testaments, right? Uh, the Gentiles say, that's too much for us. We'll just truncate it down to 10, right? The, the 10 testaments. And what are the testaments? Never tell a lie. Obviously, uh, Joe Biden never saw that. Neither did Donald Trump or George Santos. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I know what tomorrow morning's going to be. I know what tomorrow morning's going to be. You're going to think you're listening to the fan, right? It's going to be all sports. Hey, the Giants beat the Purple People Eaters. The Minnesota Prince Vikings, 31-24. Like, really? The Vikings had no defense. No defense whatsoever. And, oh, we're going to take on the Eagles. Crash, Eagles, crash on Saturday, right? Those barbarian fans, I mean, they're real shadrules, real knuckle draggers. Well, keep your hopes high. I'm a giant fan. But I know you say, oh, Daniel Jones, oh, man, it's like, it's like uh, Y.A. Tittle. He's like Fran Tarkington. He's like, uh, oh, need I say Peyton? No, no, can't say Peyton yet. No, not yet. He hasn't brought his Super Bowl. But he's going to take us to, to Phoenix this year, right, the Super Bowl. Yeah, you keep thinking that. You keep thinking that out there in your drunken stupors, as you say. We won. We won. We beat the Vikings. Wow. Oh, you're so excited. Daniel Jones passed and ran to victory against a team that had no defense. Uh, let's hope uh, that he can uh, supersede the expectations against the Philadelphia, or as I call it, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> who are like vultures and buzzards. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So uh, many of you must be wondering why the hell am I playing this music coming in? Certainly, uh, we have Matt Blaze here who is scratching his belly and wondering that like some hillbilly in a trailer park amongst the three-eyed cousin fornicators that he lives with somewhere in New Jersey. Electric Avenue, why? Because what is the news filled with? You got a gas stove, it's got to go. No gas stove. Hey, 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 Vito, don't put the pizza in the gas oven there. No, sorry. It's got to be electric. Yeah, but I got it. No, no, you know, because that's poor. How do we know that's not poison? You open that oven door, the pizza comes out. God only knows what we've been inhaling all these years. No more gas ovens. No more gas stoves. This is the number one emergency in America now. No more gas stoves. And then who jumped on board on this? Joe Biden, AOC, Ola, Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. No gas stoves. Electric. All right. Let me scratch my tuchus here. Because I'm at war with Elon Musk. Not because of Twitter. Not because I want him to go back to South Africa. 
not because of all of his other holdings and his involvements and what he names his kids, all those freaking names they give their kids nowadays that I can't even pronounce. I mean, those kids are going to be scarred for life. Trigger, Trig, Twig, uh, all those names. You know, Brooklyn. Your kid's name is Brooklyn, right? Oh, yeah. That, that, what, what's your name, kid? Brooklyn. No, no, come on. What's your name? No, it's Brooklyn. Really? Uh, I don't believe you. But anyway, the Trendoids, Freakasoids, Gender, uh, Jet Edits, that's what they do, including Elon Musk, although he's at war with all of us. And I'm going to tell you why. I know a lot of you, you love Elon Musk. He said, yeah, I want the majority. I want the speaker to have been McCarthy, right? Right, right. He got that. You got that. He goes, oh, oh I love the Republicans now. I I'm a Republican. I'm not an independent. I'm not autonomous, although I lean that way. But I'm really not Democrat. So you love Elon Musk. Well, Elon Musk is out to get rid of AM radios in his electric cars. And as you know, he's led. He didn't have competition. Now he's got the competition. So the competition is following. Hyundai. Hi, 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 Hyundai. No AM radios in their electric cars. Toyota, hi, hi, hi. No AM radios in their electric cars. All the European makers, no, uh, no AM radios in the electric cars. And the big three in Detroit, right? Chrysler, uh, GM, Ford. No AM radios in the electric cars. They have declared war on this thing of ours. And all of you are like, well, I don't know. Hey, you know, maybe, maybe the AM radio has seen its best day, right? How many of you have been naysayers before? How many of you have given us an early burial? How many of you came to visit us? What was it, Easter Sunday and the rock was rolled back? And all of a sudden, we were gone. Where did we go? We never left. AM radio is as strong today as it's ever been and will get ever stronger. If we take care of this thing of ours... And we don't have people like uh, Runway Model Ken who's wondering, how do I get across the bridge from eastern Pennsylvania to Phillipsburg and find my way to WABC? Then we don't go hiring uh, fugitives from law like Matt Blaze. What a name like that. And then they get a sycophant toady and lackey like Alex, the producer for Frank Morano, out there who's probably tasting his wine and fromage as we speak. Oh, no, no, we got to get serious about this thing of ours. Ladies and gentlemen, I have told our owners, John and Margot Katsimatidis, having been down this road before, 35 years in talk radio, most of it WABC. Difficult to get to be number one, which we are. Harder to stay number one. And I'm seeing the signs all around me. I'm seeing the signs. Hey, I got a fever in my foot. I need a mental health day. Oh, you know, hey, don't worry, we're number one. We can mail it in. Hey, how about if I do my show at home? Hell no. You want to do your show at home? Why don't you do your show at home in perpetuity? Get two Dixie cups, attach it with string, and act like you're a talk radio host, right? Will that make you feel good? And then let me be honest with you. There are a number of our colleagues, TV, TV, got to do TV. Oh, I got to get my five seconds, my hit of fame. TV is nothing. This thing of ours is the most intimate form of communication that has ever been created, whether you think, as I do, it was Marconi who created this, or you Serbians out there think it was Tesla. Doesn't matter. Somebody created this thing of ours, and we have to fight to not only keep it, but to keep working it to make it better and better. That's why last night, and I know some of you were listening because you were stung God today. You said, oh, I couldn't get to sleep. You know, you keep me up. That is my responsibility to the break of dawn. 
Imagine this. Oh, I went to sleep on you at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I should consider that a pat on the back. Oh, that's a great thing. You had to get a few hours of sleep before you continued on with the rest of your day. No. My job is to keep you going six hours and raising the levels. So even though we were only two, I felt it was like the Alamo, back to back, belly to belly. There was Bill Lee. He was answering the phones, doing what you do, Ken. He was running here, there, everywhere. He was operating the boards. And I was obviously talking at the same rate. I didn't slow it down, not for a nanosecond. Because it's quality with a BQ. Not Q for Q Street Queer or any of that. Q for quality. And, man, we delivered. Proving we can do with two what you guys think you need three, four, five or more to do. And then how many of you hipsters and millennials, Generation X, Y, and Z, you come in here nine to five. There are 10 trillion people working here at WABC. And I say, who are you? Who are you? I'm a podcaster. What the hell is that? Oh, could you get out of my studio? I got to do a podcast. How many people listen to your podcast? Four people? You, your friend, your mother, and, and your brother, right? Oh, I got to do a podcast. Could you please clear out it? You know, I'm, I'm preparing for a show, you know, on WABC. 50,000 powerful watches of sound. Hundreds of thousands of listeners cycling in and out every 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, but I got a podcast to do, and they're filming me. It should be a freaking placebo, right? Just aim the camera at these people with humongous egos. Get them in and out of the studio. Get him out of here. I do radio. And that's all I do. Radio. Good old-fashioned AM radio for all of you. Let the rest of the Michigash here, you know, talk about, oh, I do this, I do this. Tomorrow, Sid will be doing all sports. You know, like he said, WFAN. The Giants are on their way. They're going to crush the Eagles. And then I'm going to have box seats in Phoenix at the Super Bowl because X, Y, and Z are giving me freebies because I'm snoring them. I already predict the show, right? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But out of nowhere this last week, out of nowhere, all of a sudden there was a move by the federal government to tell us that the number one problem that we're dealing with, because it's calling cog- causing cognitive issues, is we have to get rid of gas stoves, that they're possibly responsible for 12% of all childhood asthma cases. Possibly. You know what causes more asthma in kids? Cockroaches. Did you know that? Ken, I know you're looking at me like, what is he talking about, cockroaches? You got cockroaches, they're on military maneuvers, you know, because of their wings. It gets into the air, there's no proper filtration. And kids and adults can get asthma from that. Does that mean we've eliminated all cockroaches? Of course not. Do you see federal officials walking around with raid and decon? Trying to get rid of all the cockroaches? No. What do they want to get rid of? Our gas stoves. They're not going to take our gas stoves. They're going to have to pry it out of my cold, dead hand. Natural gas. You ever see gas? You ever put your hand right on that flame and hold it there? You got to hold it there, Matt Blaze. Even though it's it's burning your skin, you got to be a man's man. You can't remove your hand. It's such a beautiful flame. That natural gas that comes right out of that gas stove. And then even when all else fails, right, you have a blackout. There's no electricity. You can always depend on old Betsy, the old gas stove, right? Turn it up. 
open the oven and you stay warm, nice and warm and toasty. No gas ovens, no gas stoves. You freeze, you took us off. But they want um, they want easy bake ovens, electric ovens. Betty Crocker, easy bake Barbie ovens, right? Got to be all electric, all electric houses. Where are you going to get the electricity from? Oh, well, where are you going to get? Where? Where? You're going to burn fossil fuels to get the electricity? No. What about nuclear energy? You know, you closed Indian Point. That was the obsession of uh, Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo and Andrew Evilized Cuomo. Close Indian Point. How about more nuclear power plants? No. Well, where are you going to get the energy from? Wind. Wind. What about when the wind isn't blowing? Well, I haven't act- actually quite figured that out. I would suggest to all of you uh, eco-freaks out there that we harness all the hot air that comes out of WABC. And I mean, it is in a tremendous amount of hot air. You, All the hot air that comes out of me, followed by Dominic Carter and then Frank Morano, and then the Peacock in the morning, Sid Rosenberg. Man, we could power a Con Edison Big Bertha plant in Astoria if they ever reopen Big Bertha. Just from all the hot air that we emit out of our lungs. And let me tell you something. It's a lot of hot air. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, the Democrats join the GOP in voting to block country Joe Biden from selling strategic oil reserves to the Red Chinese. Can you believe this? We've tapped into our 200 million barrel reserve. And we're going to take a million barrels and sell it to our enemies, the Red Chinese. Does this make any sense? Madonna, I'm getting vertical just talking to all of you. Ken over here is wondering what the hell I'm talking about. This guy is going break, break. I got to go to the bathroom, uh, Matt Blaze. What are you, you having that problem? Yeah. yeah. Think it's prostate? You know, did you get your prostate test? No, you see, you didn't. Did you get your prick of the finger? Good, man, please. That's good. Because remember, where are we doing this broadcast from? And every broadcast, morning, noon, and night, from the Bernard McGurk Studios here. Bernard, who should still be with us today, because he didn't get a simple prick of the finger or blood test, which would have shown the doctors that he had prostate cancer at an early enough stage they could have used any number of a dozen remedies of his choice. 99% of the time, if they catch it in time, it's resolved. He waited too long. I'll never forget when he asked me to come into a studio. He described the symptoms, having had prostate cancer myself. I knew it had already metastasized. I didn't know if it was to another organ or bone. But I knew he was going to have double trouble. But, man, that guy was a fighter. Came out of the Monroe Housing Project, South Bronx. Drove livery cab up in Yonkers. They slow by Mumford Gardens, Getty Square. You name it. That guy, man, had onions. But most men, ladies, are afraid of prostate cancer. Afraid they're going to be a eunuch. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. I give you license, uh, ladies out there, children, grandchildren, to nag the men in your life. While they were sitting today, you know, cheering, yeah, with their Y.A. Tittle throwback jersey on. I remember Y.A. Tittle, yeah. 
I remember Ali Sherman, the coach here from Brooklyn College. Yeah, I remember Lombardi said if he can't be the head coach, he's going to Green Bay. Tom Brady, Tom Landry said if he can't go become the head coach of the Giants, he's going to that new franchise called the Dallas Cowboys. And who did we end up with? Ali Sherman from Brooklyn College. Who then went on to become the head of OTB for my Kumbari Chiefs, Rudy Giuliani. See, you got a whole history lesson of the New York Giants. Want to know more about the Giants? Want to know how Matt plays? I know because everybody is a newfound Giant fan. Yeah, we're going to get to the Super Bowl all morning long for, for four hours. It'll be Sid and all of his young Huckleberries. Ooh, all excited. Oh, oh God, the Giants are on their way to the Super Bowl. Not. And I'll say what about the time of Andy Robustelli, Dick Modjoleski on the defensive line, Dick Cat Cabbage, Rosie Greer, and they had to work second jobs in the offseason. They couldn't just make it on the salary that the cheapskate Mara family, who threw nickels without, like, manhole covers, and wouldn't even have cheerleaders like the Roonies of the Pittsburgh Steelers to this day. You go to a halftime, right? Go to halftime, Met Stadium, and they got a dog catching frisbees. Oh, my God, they got a dog catching frisbees. No cheerleaders. And you know what they told the Jets? They said that the Jets, when they left Shea Stadium and they came out to MetLife, you can't have, you can't have cheerleaders. Uh, that's going to be making us look bad. Yeah, the Maris, those cheap skates by Spring Lake, right, the Irish Riviera. And then when the Tish family joined them, you would have thought they would have sprung for cheerleaders. Dallas Cowboys had great cheerleaders before they had a great team. What do we have, the Giants and the Steelers? You got tradition and ugats. Why don't you get some transsexuals on the sideline with the pom-poms, right? Non-binary. Yeah, that'll excite you. That's why we're all for, you know, I'm on at 7.05 in the morning. And that's always, oh, giants, giants, giants. Oh, God. It's not sports talk radio, you know? I've been fired doing sports twice. Twice, ESPN and WABC. Twice I've been fired, Okay. Enough of that. Enough. Yeah, yeah, okay, the Giants. They did good. They're on their way uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles Saturday's game. The likelihood is they ain't getting past the Eagles. But we're going to talk about it all week long. As if we were the fan. As if we were ESPN. Not. You want sports? You listen to them. You know, listen. I, I hear these sports reports. I hear these guys who can't even wipe their tuchus yet, right? Oh, they're doing sports. Every day, a different guy is doing sports. Oh, yeah, you know. I don't know, it's, it's, not, it's not a sports station. Excuse me, I know where I go for sports. And I don't go to WABC. You know what I go to? I go to ESPN. I go to the fan. If I want traffic and weather, you think I listen to it at WABC? I realize it's here. Well, uh-uh, I know. Tens, eights, you know. Huh? Okay, too much clutter, too. All this clutter. Like on this show. Uh uh, the other side of midnight, we'll get a promo. The other side of midnight with Curtis and Frank. It's like, yeah, we already know that. Curtis already talked about it for five minutes. But we got to put clutter in there. Manonamai, I am so pissed off. And you hipsters, millennials, you generation X, Y, Z, we proved we could do it with two. We proved you can get more done with two instead of three. Give us, yeah, bring it to us. Bring it to the veterans. Broadway, Bill Lee, Curtis Lee, 75 years of experience, and we knocked it out of the park. By the way, Gaston, right? <laughs> You're going to take 
You're going to take the oven out of the pizzeria with gas, right? You're going to put an electric oven in there. You're going to tell that to Vito and Bruno, the Albanians, the Macedonians, the Montenegrins, right? They're going to say, what? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And actually, we got to talk about global warming, climate change. You're all deniers out there. Oh, no. Hey, you know, the glacier's melting down. Hey, you know, it's periodical. You know, they predicted there was going to be an ice age. There wasn't. No global warming, climate change. Tell that to the folks in Cali, Cali, right? Right now, they got scuba gear on, right? They're like under 28 feet of water. And there's more coming. And if any of you are out in California, like last night, the last two nights, you can give a call in because we got a lot of our listeners here going, hey, that's California. Maybe the San Andreas Fault will kick in. They'll get a little rupture. And they'll slip right into the Pacific Ocean. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the attitude of some of our listeners. Yeah, we don't need Cali. It's a blue state, right? If we were a red state, no, no, no. Put the hooks in it. Hold it from slipping into the Pacific Ocean. Blue state? No, we don't need it. Let it, let it, go ahead, bye. Yeah, go, go ahead. Maybe you'll float off to Hawaii or Fiji or Tonga, Tonga, Samoa or Guam. Oh, that's right. Bloomberg won Guam. The only, the only primary he won. In spending a billion dollars to try to win the Democratic nomination to become president of the United States, Guam, which that guy, the black guy, congressman there in Georgia, thought was going to slip into the ocean. He was sitting behind Uncle Joe Biden today at the Ebenezer Baptist Church. That's right. When when Biden was speaking, I said, that's the guy that thinks that Guam is going to slip into the ocean, the congressman. And he thought that all of your documents were planted by the Republican deep state. There are crackpots galore. Is this crackpot? There's George Santos. That government is filled with nut jobs, crackpot, crackpots, and nor dwells. Our number is 1 800 848 9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I said. Let's not get freaky deaky, Ken. I know on the runways, uh, they tell you to take your clothes off when you're bopping up and down like you got a stick jammed up your tookers. Eight years in a row, eight years in a row, the globe has recorded its highest temperatures ever. Eight years in a row. But hey, all of you out there, ain't no such thing as global warming and climate change. It's natural, right? That's why Nelly is taking his clothes off when it's 20 degrees. You know, it used to be 40 degrees below. We haven't had any snow. No snow. A lot of cocaine. No snow. Philly, no snow. By now, we used to have drifts of snow. Remember? I remember when Rudy Giuliani got elected. I think the first year he had like 18 snowstorms. Now you don't even get a flake. Oh, uh, how do you explain that? Oh, well, you know, uh, it's cyclical. But it's not global warming, climate change. No, of course it's not. Uh, the poles are melting? No, they're not. No, they're not. The polar bears, oh, they're, they're, you're, uh, propaganda, propaganda. Like, take a chill pill, man. It's sort of like try to go skiing without without them making the fake snow, right? All these ski lodges, right? Come, come. 
It's all fake snow. Where's the real snow? Oh, well, we're going up to the Poconos. Really? You had some good, good snow pack there? Well, it's fake snow. Going up to the Berkshires? Yeah. Vermont? Yeah, yeah. How's the snow pack up there? Well, it's artificial. You know, it's like having an artificial tree on Christmas. It's just not the real deal. And now it's everything's fugazi, fugazi snow. This you're, you're going over the fake snow on the ski lift. You're saying, "Yeah, well, son, this is not the way you used to, we used to come up here. He used to go at Sussex in New Jersey, right? At the ski lifts, real freaking snow. And then Action Park, right? You go sliding down. <laughs> hey, man, the lawyers were lined up with the ambulances. Like, I'm in the toboggan, man. I'm gonna crash. Real snow. Hasn't snowed not once. Not even a flake. Oh, but uh, gee, you know, it's cyclical. Yeah, I'm sure it's cyclical. Yeah, yeah, you're all uh, that's right. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's uh it's William calling from Asbury Park here trying to be heard. He had WABC, William. Hey, Curtis. Listen, uh, you mentioned common sense on your show last time. In the sixth grade history class we had to we had to read that. And that sparked a brush fire liberty in my little mind. And we also had to read Orwell's books, 84 and Animal Farm. And I was always wondering what Animal Farm was about. And maybe two years later in the eighth grade, I was listening to the better side of the radio, the AM band. And I heard Michael Savage talking about Animal Farm and relating it to communism. I was like, oh, that's what it was about. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You left a little bit out there. William, let me fill in the void there. You were on a roll there, you know, Thomas Paine, right, Common Sense, the pamphlet that ignited the war against the British, a simple pamphlet that luckily they taught you in school, but they didn't tell the rest of us. And then you got to read Animal Farm, okay, and Napoleon, you knew that wasn't Napoleon Bonaparte, you knew that was a pig, a Hazarite. You know, yep. already there were the elite, and then there was everybody else, and then you ruined it. You mentioned Michael Weiner. Why did you do that? The guy went to Queens College, Jamaica High School. I, I, I got to tell you, you ruined it. You, you, you made me want to soil myself by mentioning Michael Savage. Savage! He grew up a wiener, right? Jamaica on the hill, Queens College. And he went out to Fiji. You know, he got a little, little weird out there, you know? Little boys swimming around in the lagoons. Michael Travis. guy used to give me a headache. You know, uh, he's the bad, right? Just like everybody else in talk radio, you know, I and me, not us and we. Hey, I'm one of those. You need a crane to get me in and out of the room. We think, oh, God, the world begins and ends with us. Then all of a sudden, Michael Savage isn't on the radio. Guess what? A week later, you didn't miss him. Take me off the radio a week later. You know, whatever happened to Curtis, you know, that was a good show. But whoever they replaced me uh, with, right, Zippy the Chimp, you'll listen to Zippy the Chimp. You say, hey, Zippy, he makes some good points there. Let's go to Robert, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Oh, what happened to Robert? Hello? 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 Hello, Robert? 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 Who's Robert? Robert! Robert, what's your name? Sorry, from Staten Island. Man, you've been drinking. You've been watching a giant game. You see, he got all happy with himself. 
you know, them big boys, right? The big boys he's been drinking. Oh, my God. Man, take the keys away from that guy. Don't let him go drive uh, down to the local uh, 7-Eleven and get some more big boys. Yeah, that that's that's good phone screening, uh, can runway model. That's why we could do this with two. We proved that for six hours to the break of dawn. Me and Broadway Bill Lee Avery, a normal phone screener and nighttime producer, was on a hush-hush-mush-mush special assignment. I'm not at liberty to say. Let's go to Rich, who's calling from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rich. Hey, Curtis. Hey, Rich, uh, who who are you having a conversation with that was more important than me? Come on, be honest, Rich. Curtis, no, 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 I'm listening to your radio station. You're a great guy. No, 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 don't chew my, well, hold on, don't chew my shorts and pull my chain. You were talking to somebody else there, weren't you, Rich? Come on, be honest. No, no, I had you on speakerphone. I had you on regular phone here. Wait, 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 Ken didn't tell you to turn all that off? No, I just knew because Sean Hannity, when I call into him, I'm always t- told to turn it off on him. Wait, wait, wait. You know. Sean Hannity, he's living in the past. The Rockwood, old American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island. He's thinking that this is the old WABC. Doesn't he know Sean Hannity's not here? Where are you finding these people, Ken? Of course, in Pennsylvania. That's where he's from. You know, every time he's supposed to work. He comes out of eastern Pennsylvania. That's uh, right, eastern, across the bridge to Phillipsburg. He always makes the wrong turn. He's either late or he doesn't get here to work, and then all of a sudden they have to put out a lifeline to Avery, our phone screener and our nighttime producer. God. Let's go to Frank, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. We've got a global warming article that goes back to 1922 and a climate change article that goes back to 1846. It was the Washington Post, November 2nd, 1922. The title is Report on Global Warming. The Maitland Mercury, March 11th, 1846, on the change of climate. The Brisbane Courier, January 10th, 1871, imaginary changes of climate. The Rochester Democrat, December 7th. Now, he's going to keep talking because he has his prepared script, just like guests do. You know, that's why I don't have guests. But then whenever you mention global warming, climate change, everyone's an expert. You know, no such thing. Global. And they can cite articles. Like I should say to him, do you have that article from the Washington Post in your hands, the original copy? Exxon executives, 1960, 1970, right? Exxon. Major uh, major oil company, energy provider, natural gas, oil, right, admitted that global warming climate change was coming at us fast and furiously. They're, they're scientists, right? The Tiger, you know, Exxon, the Tiger, right? Stan- the old Standard Oil, right? Rockefeller, you know, he started it all, East Cleveland. Not Cleveland, the little one square mile, East Cleveland. And then he had Standard Oil in Caracas, Venezuela. Standard Oil, the big port in Bayonne, the gateway to the world in corrupt Hudson County, huh? That's how, that's how he accumulated his wealth. And you know who sued him and broke the monopoly? Henry Ford. Because Henry Ford knew, you know, I can make cars, but if I can't break the monopoly that uh, Rockefeller has in the oil industry, it'll be all for naught. 
And he went in there and he sued him in Detroit, smart, his backyard, and he beat him. He beat him. And then he went on to become one of the most virulent anti-Semites ever to exist in the world. He He had a weekly newspaper every week attacking Jews. Oh, yeah, and then there was, oh, uh, what's that, Father Coughlin, uh, the little uh, little flower parish outside of Detroit. He would have a radio broadcast that reached hundreds of thousands on the weekends before World War II, attacking Jews. And then, of course, how could we forget the predecessor to Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, who was working the assembly lines at General uh, General Motors, when he came up with the notion of the nation of Islam. And what were the first words out of his mouth? It's the Jews. Uh, Henry Ford, it's the Jews. Uh, Father Coughlin, it's the Jews. Hachu! Oh, let's go to old Canada, Carl, in Canada. Whereabouts in uh, Canada are you calling us from, Carl? Uh, Kitchener, uh... 60 miles west of Toronto. We're actually Kitchener-Waterloo, the, the, the Twin Cities. It's right next door, sort of, I guess, like many, you got Minneapolis, St. Paul's, too. I think they're the Twin Cities. Down I, there. I, I didn't ask for an entire, you know, world map tour <laughs> of Ontario. Right. I asked where you're from, and now you, you're giving me guidance. Hey, hey, like, like, you know, let's talk about Hamilton in Ontario. Let's talk about London, Ontario. Let's talk... Yeah. No, no, let's talk about what you want to talk about, Carl. Oh, yeah, you mentioned the Ten Commandments earlier. I know 20 years ago they took down the Ten Commandments in the courthouses. I'm thinking they got it should bring them back again. Wait, wait, say, Carl, how can we put up the Ten Commandments when our politicians on both sides of the aisle lie? Thou shalt not lie, right? That's one of them? Yeah. Well, look, you have uh, Biden lies every week. Recently, at Trump with his uh, trading cards, he said he's greater than Washington and Lincoln lies. Then we have George Santos, the biggest liar of all. Then we have Blumenthal, the senator of Connecticut, who says he served in the United States Marine Corps in Vietnam. How can you put the Ten Commandments up in government facilities when, in fact, Carl, the biggest liars we know are elected officials and appointed uh, officials on both sides of the aisle? Well, it also says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. There's some really good commandments there, like just for this is not This is not religion on the line. I, you know, I already heard uh, Rabbi Joe Potashnik this morning with uh, the Reverend. How are you going to put the Ten Commandments up in a city hall, in a state capitol, in the halls of Congress, when our politicians lie to us blatantly? Lie. Thou shalt not lie. Well, you know, not for us. For your for all the little people. Little people, you can't lie. Now, how many of you can say with a straight face that you have never lied to your wife? Hmm? Ah, guys, come on. Come on, guys. That's nothing to do with cheating, gumadas and all that, but like sneaking out with the guys, betting money on, you know, the Giants or whatever action fan duel now that they got that narcotic out there where you can bet online. So you, right away, that's the number one commandment that almost everyone breaks. And they'll say, well, it's not really a lie. It's a fib. It's a white lie. I didn't, 
I didn't really want to offend you. Well, Curtis Lewin loves to offend. I can. I'm, like, I have, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Am I a liar? Sure, I've lied in my life. But, man, I tell it like it is when it comes to talk radio. I take no prisoners. Whether, well, I don't know, you know, potential. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh. We got a business here. This is our problem. We got a business here where everyone's thinking TV instead of radio. I figured it out. They listen to all the show. I'm not going to mention names. I'm saying that's the kind of a show you would do on talk TV. Right? What the hell are you bringing that to radio, huh? Radio, this beautiful thing of ours. Let's go to Peter, who's calling from Harlem, uh, USA. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Peter. Yes, Curtis, I've listened to you for years. Everything you condemn, you've been guilty of. I have a question for you. Why were you dismissed or not or banned from WNYC? As a matter of fact, if I remember, see, most of your listeners don't have a long-term memory, but I remember NYC rather closed down and have you on because you were a buffoon back then. You're even worse now. You repeat the same thing. You know, talk radio should be entertaining and educational. And for some reason, it's always about you. You've always been jealous of Sharpton and uh, and Trump. Anyone that's doing better than you, you get mad at. You're a phony. Thank you. There's that little burp at the end of it. There was a moment in time. Seven months I will never get back in my life. Uh, I was doing the morning show, 1991 to 1994. And uh, it was with uh, Lisa, my wife at the time. Which which number? Ken, could you? Uh, two, three. I don't know. It's called Angels in the Morning. Did very well. Had a three-year run, and then we were killing each other. There's, there's no doubt about it. There was going to be a homicide committed, one side or the other. And the suits there, a guy named John Manelli, so anal, right? Uh, the program director, he would tell me, you know, Curtis, every morning I wake up at 7.38 and I listen to Howard Stern. Okay. Then the general manager at that time, we went to talk to him and he goes, you know, I listen to Imus. I, I don't listen to the morning show here. Hmm. That tells me a lot about why you never had a decent morning show. You don't even freaking listen to your own morning show. But I couldn't say anything. I had to hold my fire. And we got very good. We competed. And then all of a sudden, we were going to kill one another. So they decided. I I said, look, if we kill one another, do you imagine the ratings will be number one? People already know that we're at the verge of killing one another. They're taking bets on the side. Who's going to kill who first? No, we can't have that Michigash. So they sent us on our way. And they gave us an hour. The gentleman, yeah, take an hour and get the hell out of here. I never want to see you again. So I was out there languishing. But that's the morning I gave the, I went over there to the Yale Club, asked, asked George Pataki. He was one of six candidates running for the Republican nomination to unseat Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. Nobody knew who George Pataki was. The former mayor of Big Skill. And uh, his campaign manager at that time asked me, could you come over and uh, introduce uh, George to the crowd at the Yale Club? You know, he's a Yale. I went over there. I wasn't feeling good. I got fired, right? There's like four people there who knew him, his family. Another four people who were Yaleys who saw me with the Red Beret and they wanted to hear what I was doing. There was eight freaking people there. And I gave like an hour and a half presentation. 
And George Pataki looked at me and said, I did all that? I had no idea. Smartest thing I ever did. He saved the state. But I was there when nobody else was there. You see that Peter there? He doesn't remember that, huh? So then I get a call. Ring. Ring. It's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, just barely elected. He goes, I want you to do me a solid. What can I do for you, Rudy? Because I want you to come over to WNYC. The city owns a radio station and a TV station, which is crazy. We have these two sticks, the radio stick. I want to sell it, but I need to showcase it. They're all liberals. They're all progressives. See, I'm going to bring you over. You do an afternoon show, right? You know, two to four. You do it about the neighborhoods. Man, you would have thought that we were changing the nature of public radio. Because remember, it's a public radio station, NPR, WNYC. What a shock to their system. Guess who's coming to broadcast? Curtis Lewa. <laughs> so you had uh, you had this guy, Lenny Lopez. I actually made a donation to recently at WBAI. You know, he's a good broadcaster. Uh, I just hate his guts. So Lenny uh, Lopate would do the cultural um, program on WNYC. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we've been forced to put on the airwaves this street urchin named Curtis Sliwa. He's best known for reading uh, magazine covers, uh, comic books, and uh, matchbooks. Uh, but he is going to speak to you for two hours about what? I don't know. It's destroying this great symbolic station of ours. I say, hey, Lenny, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. I know who you are. He said, you went to a prestigious prep school. I went to Eastern District. I lived in a four-story walk up there in Williamsburg. The guy, all of a sudden, he broke wild. He, he, he went ghetto on me. Man, they hated me there. They gave me an office on the 19th floor. I had to bring all my files up there because, you know, I'm a clutterer. I got all my files. I'm bringing them up in the milk crates. And they're saying to me, you know, this is a warning on the milk crate that says uh, the FBI should be contacted. It's a federal crime. I said, go ahead, make my day. Call the FBI. At that time, they were forever busting Italians, right? This is before 9-11. So I go in. They said, this is your office. They were doing asbestos abatement. So they had all these Polish workers running around with hazmat suits, respirators. No, Shriva, no, no. Don't worry about it. Crack the window. I love the smell of asbestos in the morning. I wasn't going to let them get under my skin. And then the final part, Peter didn't tell the story from Harlem, is you got to raise shimoles there. You know, you got to do fundraising like once a month. So I did my spiel. They're all liberals, progressives. They gave me nothing. They gave me belly button. But the New York Times, the old gray lady, printed the results of the fundraising at WNYC on Saturday. I had uh, taken in more money than Lenny Lope. And uh, the guy who was uh, on earlier, who's still there, man. I mean, he's, he, he's like, he never goes anywhere. And they gave me an extra zero at the end of my fee and made it seem like I raised more money than both of them combined. They went nuts. The New York Times put out a full-page ad. We made a mistake. I, I came back on Monday and I said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I was raised to believe the old gray lady never makes mistakes. The New York Times, all the news is fit to print. This is an outrage. They claim that I didn't raise more money than anybody else here. I had such fun. Seven months later, 
I call back up. I got to get out of here. My board operator would turn his back on me. The phone screener would walk out. It was basically I was doing a show on my own. I brought in, brought in the remaining members of the Brooklyn Dodgers Symphony Band, and they played all off tune. I blew up the place, and I called up WABC. That John Manelli guy. I said, hey. Uh, you got something for me? Never. You'll never work here again. I said, okay, I'll go across. Uh, I'll ask W.O.R. Hold on. Then a guy, Don Belucas, who was the GM. Curtis, well, what do you mean you're going to W.O.R.? Well, John Manelli said he doesn't want me there. Tell you what, we'll put you on overnight. We're going to play a replay of of <laughs> Larry King from CNN between you and the new morning guy, Lionel, because we don't want people to hear you. Next to Lionel. I said, okay. So, hey, next time, Pete, you tell a story in Harlem, you got to tell the full story. Right here at WABC. WABC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm reporting to you that San Francisco, Oakland is the new Atlantis. It is completely underwater. I mean, the rains are just pounding away along the shore of California. You talk about beach? There is no beach. It's all gone. Floated out to sea, and now they're going to go out and re-nourish the beaches to the tune of gazillions of dollars. Their mudslides, these huge holes. I mean, you think we got potholes. They got potholes on I-5 and all the interstates, and still the rain keeps coming down. And then they turn to the Indians who were there in Humboldt County, the Emerald Triangle, who were doing their rain dances, Day in and day out because they had a severe drought. And they said, stop, stop the rain dances. You've done too many rain dances. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know many of you, you say, hey, global warming, climate change, it's not real. It's real to me. Oh, let's go to Rosalie, who's out there in the San Francisco Bay Area. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rosalie. Hi, Mr. Curtis. Hello? Are you underwater yet? Is it uh, Atlantis? Are you actually wearing scuba gear? Mer- I turned into a mermaid. A mermaid. I'm happy. Now, how bad? How bad is it, Rosalie? How bad is it? Okay, so I was going to call you last night when you were doing that crazy on the elevator down to hell, and I wanted to call, but I wasn't able to get to my phone because my cat had me sort of pinned on my bed in a certain way where I couldn't reach my arm up to get to my phone. So I wanted just to digress, as you would say, and say I would have used the Jerry Garcia um, friend of the devil 
um, from the Grateful Dead. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Oh, I, look, I'm very familiar. <laughs> having having spent time uh, in Golden Gate Park, Katie Ashbury, it's all underwater. There's nothing you can do. It's like the scene out of Goodfellow. Remember? Remember when De Niro goes, how did it go? There's nothing you can do. California's underwater. Well, but, I tell you, I-80 up towards Reno at Truckee um, is Cal- California Highway Patrol was turning cars around to go back down to Sacramento. Oh, wait a second. What does he know? He should talk to the president. Remember when he was driving an 18-wheel tractor trailer on his CB doing rubber ducky? One, two, three. <laughs> Oh, we got to talk about Eric Adams down in El Paso. He walked over to the fence and he says, what's that over there? Juarez. W-A-B-C. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 W-A-B-C. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina, music would play and Furino would whirl. Blacker than night were the eyes of Furino, wicked and evil while casting a spell. How do I find the music? To conflate with this subject, right? Was deep for this but you understand, Matt Blaze, uh, runway model Ken, you really want action, you want to raise the roof, you want to party hardy, you don't do it in El Paso. Nah, you go over the bridge to Juarez, to the cantinas there. Whoa! To the break of dawn. Let's just say uh, they have the donkey dance. I'm not going to say anything more. Superman. Yeah, Superman. I'll just leave it at that. Look, Ken, he's all excited. No, no, no. You don't get to uh, look at the guy's anatomy. You may get too excited. You know, then all of a sudden we got a problem. So anyway, the reason I'm playing this song is that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, decided finally after months and months and months that he would go down to the border in El Paso. And he looked across the border, a chain-link fence, and he says to the mayor of El Paso, what's that? And the mayor said, Juarez. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know who's worse. Biden there for three hours or swagger man with no plan, Eric uh, Adams. Well, he, oh, my God, what he did is going to cause more illegals to come here. So he doesn't know. He doesn't know the layout of the land. Any of you folks who have been to El Paso, some of you I know, you probably um, were in the military in El Paso. Or you happen to be uh, playing, I think it was when Tiny Archibald was playing, right, with uh, Texas El Paso, when they were playing University of Kentucky for the NCAA championship. Remember that? No, you don't. That was before your time. Oh, we mentioned Sid. He'll be talking about that for a half hour. Oh, God, in the morning, I'm going to be on a 705. I know all I'm going to hear, Giants, Giants, Giants. Hey, you know, give it a break for a second, okay? We're not in the Super Bowl yet. 
But it was interesting to see Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, with the mayor of El Paso. And by the way, if you know the city of El Paso, it's like the city of Cincinnati. Remember Jerry Springer was the mayor of Cincinnati, and he got busted because he went across the river to Covington, Kentucky, and he was bouncing checks to prostitutes, and they fired him from the job. All he did was cut ribbons. It's the city managers in some of these cities that are selected by the city council. They're the shot callers. In El Paso, the mayor, to be honest with you, he's a ribbon cutter. Might be a nice guy. I don't know. I never met him. But they have no power. They're powerless. So he's down at the border. Him and Eric Adams, they're looking through the chain link fence. Maybe they could get a job at Home Depot, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd say, you ever go to Home Depot? They got the chain link fence there. He saw nothing. So what did he do? And this was stupid. He goes over to the nearby church. The Church of Sacred Heart, Catholic Church, which funds the illegal aliens through Catholic charities. And so there are like 40 Venezuelans there. And Eric, like every politician, Democrat, Republican, just couldn't resist the photo op and talking to them, even though they don't understand English. He spoke. His sycophant uh, translated, and they gave him a standing ovation. And you know what he was saying to them? I want you to come to New York. I want you to work. I want to help you help us. No, no, that's not what we want to tell them. Because now they're going to get on their cell phones. Yeah, they all have cell phones. They're going to say, man, forget Beetlejuice in Chicago. Forget Philadelphia. Forget the Naval Observatory Vice President. Uh, Look, the mayor invited us all to come to New York. You know, a lot gets lost in translation. I don't know if any of you have ever had your English translated into a foreign language. Well, a lot got lost because all 40 of these people thought that the mayor was inviting them to New York City. And that's the message that got out on Univision and Telemundo and will be seen all through South America, Central America, throughout Mexico, and in the DR, Dominican Republic. Quote, this is what some of the illegals said. Hey, I heard that they can help me in New York more than anywhere else. I heard the shelters are great there, said Venezuelan uh, Kaylee Marquez. One of the migrants gathered outside the Sacred Heart Catholic Church, again, subsidized with federal dollars, our tax dollars, Catholic charities, that is encouraging them to come north. And they came up to uh, Eric Adams and they said, please take me with you to New York. Please take me with you. This did not go well. Remember, the whole idea was to try to convince them, don't come to New York. One man told Eric Adams he had first heard about New York City by watching television and then seeing the mayor welcoming the illegals coming off the bus at the Port Authority. And he goes, I always wanted to come to New York City after I saw that. Oh, my God. So the mayor, he got all caught up with himself. And he goes, look, if you come to the U.S., I want you to work. I want you to experience the American dream. And then they they gave him a standing ovation. And then he got on the plane and he's flying back to New York. This was not a good appearance. He's encouraging them to come to New York City. And he rolls up in a six-car motorcade and a large security detail. Six-car motorcade? 
Was he afraid of the illegals there? What does he think, that they're narco-terrorists? It's El Paso. It's not Juarez. <sighs> and the biggest photo op was inspecting that chain-link fence at the U.S.-Mexican border. God, what a waste of a trip. What a waste, ladies and gentlemen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, just maybe, if any of you have been to El Paso and you see right across the Rio Grande to Juarez, maybe you had the image in your mind of the movie, remember? Oh, such a classic movie. Remember Humphrey Bogart? Sierra Madre, the treasures of Sierra Madre. Remember the confrontation he had with the Federale? We are Federales, you know, the mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Could you get away with doing a movie like that today, right? You know, with a guy who looks like Pancho Villa? Nah, of course not. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I don't know what Eric Adams uh, accomplished down in El Paso, but he actually did more harm to saying, remember he said with Sid Rosenberg, the inn is closed. Remember his very dear friend Sid? And now he'll probably come on with Sid, his very dear friend, and say, oh, uh, we effectively dealt with the border issue Everybody knows that I'm going to be on Joe Biden's jockstrap and something's going to be done about this. Not. God, politicians and photo ops, Republicans and Dems, they, they just photo op, photo op, photo op, photo op. And I knew this wasn't going to work when on left versus right Saturdays, you got to listen to a three to four. Anthony Weiner was like the number one supporter of Eric Adams, right? He's like Eric Adams' cheerleader. He's got the pom-poms. He's always, yeah, Eric, go. Man, he deep-sixed Eric Adams. So you and I have both, we've had a life in politics. You less than I, but you've, you've done it on the big stages running for mayor. It's a photo op. It's to call cameras to a place that you can talk to them and try to get out your message. My beef with this is not that you're doing something symbolic, but symbolic of what? If you're, you, you, your job, Mr. Mayor, is not to try to figure out immigration policy. It's not. It's to try to figure out the impact of immigration, both good and bad, on your city and how to maximize the good and minimize the bad. That's your job. And you do that from here in New York. You do it by calling Chuck Schumer. You do it by calling Hakeem Jeffries. You don't do it by meeting the mayor of El Paso. Yes, we know we have a problem down there. Now, the president is a different story. He goes down. He has good meetings with the president of Mexico, as I've explained on my show and on this show. Part of the challenge with remain in Mexico and these other things is if we're going to stop people at the border and expel them, we need Mexico to cooperate. We can't just drop some. We, we can't drop someone from Nicaragua in Mexico unless Mexicans say it's okay. Exactly. And we can't send them back to places like Venezuela because we have no relationship no. with people in or, Venezuela. Or to Nicaragua or to Cuba. Right. We have that. We, so you we need remain in Mexico requires that the Mexicans cooperate with us. He got some cooperation. That's a good thing. It's not the answer. I think he's exactly right to take a tougher line. One of the reasons why we have these problems is a lot of people made the calculation after Trump things are going to be easier. I'm going to try to make that 5,000-mile trek. But, you know, if you're going to go do a photo op as president, that's one thing. I don't understand what Eric Adams is doing there. I'm a supporter of the mayor. I want him to do well. well he doesn't understand, Anthony Weiner. does not understand why Eric Adams was down at the border. Can anybody explain it? 
By the way, uh, Matt Blaze, do we think that Anthony Weiner will be persona non grata now in City Hall? You know how Eric Adams is. What? He badmouthed me with that guy Curtis Lewa? I can't figure this out. What was the purpose? Back in August, remember Governor Abbott invited him when all of a sudden uh, the migrants were pouring across the border. He said, I'll give you and Mayor Broward in Washington, D.C., first-class accommodations. I'll pay for your flights. Come down to the border, Eagle Pass uh, on the Texas side or El Paso on the Texas side and the Mexican border and see for yourself. And remember, both mayors said, no, we're not going down there. Now it's too late. It's too late. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We have some uh, audio that just came in from Eric Adams, uh, who is outside of that church. Again, Catholic Charities uh, milking the system every which way they can, uh, turning it into a racket, bringing these illegal aliens in. It was the Sacred Heart Catholic Church right next to the border, El Paso and Juarez. And here is Eric Adams speaking to 40 of the illegals. They think he's inviting them to New York. Why did he do this? Oh, my God. You notice, that's why they didn't want Papa Chulo, Joe Biden, who's your daddy, with any of the illegals last week. Because they know he would have said, oh, yeah, come one, come all. In fact, come to the White House. I'll give you a tour. Better yet, my beach house in Delaware. Take you for a spin in the Corvette. Maybe we'll go through some of the paperwork. We'll find some of these documents that are top secret. Don't, maybe you can come to work for me, eh? We want to put you guys to work. The White House knew. Keep Joe Biden away from the illegals. But you see, Eric Adams couldn't stay away from the illegals because why? There were cameras there. Photo op. Can I hear that one more time, please? Listen to the illegals. He's telling them, he's inviting them to come to New York City. And Ken, I realize your Spanish is not that good. You may have to end up becoming the translator for us, as difficult as it is. Uh, run that spiel again, please. So Eric Adams walks away and he says to his translator, his deputy mayor, I think they like me. And the deputy mayor says to him, within earshot of some of the reporters, no, they think you're officially inviting them to New York City, and they would prefer to go to New York than any other location. Can you blame them? You want to go to Chi-Town uh, and be with Beetlejuice, the mayor there? You want to go to Philadelphia? Do you want to go to D.C.? Or do you want to come to New York where they put you up in the Milford Plaza? The Milford Plaza, oh, my God. God, that's right. The first thing that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, did in August when Governor Abbott was sending the buses in of the illegals was to bring them two blocks away to the old Milford Plaza right on 46 
and 8th Avenue, which has been renamed the NYC Row because it had gone into receivership. But remember, ladies and gentlemen, we'd be watching Joe Franklin at night. Remember Joe Franklin on Channel 9? And then we would see we would see the ads for the Milford Plaza. Come on along, I'll take you to the lullaby of Broadway. The Hickory and Valley Who. The lullaby of Broadway. And in the center of it all is the Milford Plaza. Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail, dinner, and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby Ah, Matt Blaze, you know what you should have done because you're a fugitive? You should have gone into Mexico as an illegal because there are no such things as illegals going into Mexico. You should have turned around in Juarez and came over as an illegal alien. They would have brought you to New York City. They would have put you up at the old Milford Plaza. They would have given you weed. They would have given you Corona beer. You could be having sex in the stairwells at the Milford Plaza. And then you could say, you know... You know, I, I must tell you, uh, we're culturally sensitive. Our foods are not similar to your gringo foods. And this was what Eric Adams had to say at the fact that they won't eat the food at the Milford Plaza, that the Venezuelans, ungrateful as they are, are throwing it away. But we want to show New Yorkers how you can have culturally sensitive food that is healthy. Culturally sensitive food. He puts the uh, apron on. He's Emeril Lagasse. And, you know, he should apply it because they were throwing bags and bags of food away. Uh, the New York Post did a great, uh, a great expose. They said, we don't eat that stinking food. It's not culturally appropriate. Eric Adams should have went to them and told them how he's going to try to live on $10 a day in terms of his eating. Except, remember, he gets all free food from his felon friends at that, uh, that Italian restaurant on West 52nd Street. But here it was. He was telling telling his staff how he's going to live on $10 a day. $10 a day. In a few weeks, uh, I'm going to have Rachel put through a program where I'm going to live off of $10 a day by eating a healthy plant-based diet. Go ahead and tell the Venezuelans, tell the illegal aliens who are throwing all this food out that they got to live on $10 a day. It's our tax dollars. And I'll never forget when Eric Adams at a press conference and none of the McWhitey Whiteys challenged him because, ooh, boo, hoo, hoo, he'll bully them. And his complexion is his protection. Said the dumbest thing that I've ever heard a mayor say. And there have been plenty of dumb things that mayors have said who are either my friends or foes. How a bag of lentils, a $3 bag of lentils, can feed a family of four, three meals a day for three days. Why doesn't he go over there to the Milford Plaza and tell those Venezuelans, here, Here's a $3 bag of lentils. Follow my instructions. There's a myth out there that states eating healthy is too expensive. Uh, You can take a bag of lentils, which costs around about $2.80. You can make lentil stew, lentil burger. Uh, You can make lentil uh, pasta. Yeah, why not go over there and tell them? We're giving you one bag of lentils, family of four, and you got to make three meals a day for the next three days. That's nine meals on $3. Boy, that's a Harry Houdini trick, if ever there was. And you would think the media would call him out on that. Like, come on. 
Eric, we know you eat plant-based foods. We know you're a chef extraordinaire in your own mind. But could you show us how a family of four could live off a bag of lentils three squares a day for three days? That's nine meals. Yeah, but we don't want to get him upset. He might he might yell at us and call us a racist. Ooh. You think we could get Dominic Carter to man up when he shows up uh, for his 12 uh, midnight assignment after our animal welfare hour? Yeah, that's what I'm going to put to him. I want to see if he's got coulions. I want to see if he's got weibos left, Dominic. You go over, ask the mayor how you can survive on a bag of $3 lentils, a family of four, three squares a day, for three days. That's nine meals. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the winner, bar none, although he wasn't at the border for this photo op, the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer. You know, the problem with you out there in New York is that you don't procreate enough. You use marital contraceptives, you use the jimmy caps, you use the condoms, you use birth control. Right? Isn't uh, Eric Adams just ordered birth control pills, right? You know, that uh, not the night after birth control pills. You have too much birth control. According to the schmuck to putz, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, we're to blame. If only we would fornicate and copulate and create more babies, unwanted babies or babies wanted. We wouldn't need all these illegal aliens. Listen to the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, We have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Notice how the politicians, they like when the crowd applauds. They don't want to give them bad news. They play to the crowd. Notice how he said 11 million, how many there are, like millions, Chuck. Because you folks out there, you're not having enough kids. Your children, your grandchildren, they're not having enough kids. They may be having sex like bunny rabbits, but they're using birth control, and that's no good. He won't say that, because then he'll uh, he'll offend Planned Parenthood, right? Oh, God, don't want to do that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Colleen in Scarsdale. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Colleen. Uh, yeah, Curtis, but this guy, Adams, I despise him. He's down there all about himself. He's an actor trying to burnish his reputation as a national Democratic leader. So friggin' phony. And meanwhile, New York City is deteriorating, and you should have been mayor. Well, Colleen, uh, to your point, I actually, uh, every day... I take the subways, that's my limo, and I've posted uh, all the homeless and emotionally disturbed who are living in the subways now with the inclement weather. You know, back, I'm thinking back, uh, you would know this, uh, Matt Blaze and Ken, because you were soccer freaks for the World Cup. Remember, oh, go, 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 get out of here, that fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi football you spell with a U. But remember, it was back on November 29th. The mayor had a major press conference at City Hall. He was surrounded by everybody 
except not his police department and his missing in action police commissioner. There was a reason for that. And he talked about how healthcare professionals and the NYTPD would work hand in hand and go into the subways, remember, and remove the homeless and the emotionally disturbed. You, even you remember that, Ken, right? You remember that, uh, Matt. But he's counting on the fact that you can't even remember people five seconds ago, five minutes ago, five days ago, five weeks ago, five months ago. He's counting, like all politicians, Democrats and Republicans, that you're stupid and that you will just follow the most recent press conference. He said that they would be removing the homeless, taking them to shelters. And if they proved to be emotionally disturbed, they would bring them for mental health care, which was good. He's not doing it. You should see the pictures of what I posted. You go to uh, uh, the Curtis Sliwa Facebook page, you can see the pictures. They're pretty bad. It's almost like we're going backwards instead of forwards. But then again... He's too busy down in El Paso looking across the chain link fence, asking the mayor, what's that? And the mayor of El Paso says, that's Juarez. That's Mexico. Now, just imagine that was me as mayor. I said, mayor, I, mayor, I don't know you. I've been here. I, I don't need you. I've been here five times before. I'm going over to the other side, Juarez. That's where all the action is. That's where the narco-terrorists are. That's where the sex traffickers are. That's where the guys who look at you and say, Gringo, what are you doing here? Eh? Go back to your side there. That's where you can see the coyotes. And I'm not talking about the four-legged coyotes. The two-legged coyotes, when they're ready to bring them across the Rio Grande or in the trucks or hidden in cargo, you're not going to see that on the El Paso side. You're going to see that. On the Juarez side, and you might be passing a bridge, Eric, and see some bodies that are hung from the bridge by the Sonola cartel of little shorty Pablo Guzman. Don't get nervous. It's part of what's happening in Mexico now. Don't worry. They're not going to hang you. 1-800-848-9222. WABC. Founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. As he, uh, Matt Blaze, Ken, Alex, the brown-nosed uh, producer of the Frank Morano Show, I have no idea what the significance of this song is, La Cucaracha. It has nothing to do with cockroaches. It has to do with roaches, smoking reefer, which is like, they might as well be singing this song in Greenwich Village between all the illegal pop-up, pop stores, the legal weed stores. You can sing it on every block. I'll get to that momentarily, but I want to applaud our colleague here, Rita Cosby. You can hear her Monday through Fridays from 10 to 12. She had on the director of ICE, Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service. Eric Adams was not with ICE on the border. ICE knows everything. I've been with ICE on the border. I've been with ICE on the other side of the border, the Mexican side of the border, when they shouldn't have been there, but then who the hell is going to stop them? The federales? You think the federales are going to stop them? You imagine. 
Me and ICE were crossing over the border from El Paso to Juarez, from Laredo to Nuevo Laredo. You think that the federales were going to stop us? We are federales. You know, the mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. That's their attitude, too. You go over on the other side, everybody pretends like they're police. They're your police, can I see your badge? You ain't seeing my stinking badge. They're narco-terrorists. They're sex traffickers. They're bringing in fentanyl. It's a criminal enterprise. They've taken over the Mexican side of the border. I've been there so many times, so many times. But anyway, I digress. The reason that Eric Adams didn't meet with the professionals on the border... He was with the Texas National Guard. Now, the Texas National Guard is okay, but they're not as good as ICE. ICE, man, they have intel. ICE knows everybody who is trafficking back and forth. <clears throat> they are the ones who know all about the border. But you see, Democrats up here, whether in New York or New Jersey or Connecticut, which are sanctuary states and sanctuary cities, have always followed the line of then-governor, Andrew Ivelais Como, King Como II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Como, King Como I, who actually called over and over again the brave agents of ICE who each and every morning in your communities put on a bulletproof vest, they get retainers, and they go out and get some of the worst hombres and bring them to a detention facility to await the charges that they have to stand for. If they committed crimes in the United States, they must do their time here, and then they get deported to their country of origin. It's a dangerous job. So what did Andrew uh, Evil Eyes Cuomo call them? What does Eric Adams call them and the Democrats? New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. So imagine that. You're not working with ICE. ICE has the best intel. They know all the narco-terrorists who are traveling back and forth. They have their finger on the pulse. Why wouldn't you deal with brave federal agents of ICE? When's the last time you saw any ceremony, public ceremony in New York City outdoors? where they were recognizing police or recognizing other law enforcement agents, and they said, oh, and by the way, we have a contingent here from ICE, Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service. Let's, let's give them a great round of applause. Nothing. Let's go to Susan, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Susan. Well, this is just a living nightmare for in our great city. Um, in the beginning, when he sent, um, like, the uh, officials to welcome all of them uh, when they were coming in on their buses and handing out all the freebies, and, you know, in the that he never, before he did that, used any critical thinking skills about uh, what the actions might result in. He had no assurances of any kind of, uh, funding from the state or, you know, being Biden of Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, the federal government, you can see what they're doing. And this influx is going to keep coming a $2 billion. That's just for the for these these um, illegal aliens. I'm sorry. That's what they are. They're not migrants. 
that's $2 billion that's going to be costing the city when we're already on our knees. Susan, uh, Susan, I, I want you to hear the mayor who could not resist the photo op earlier today near the border in El Paso, outside of the Catholic Church, run by Catholic charities that has turned um, com- bringing in illegal aliens into a racket. Outside of Sacred Heart Catholic Church, there were 40 guys from Venezuela, and they were they wanted to talk to the mayor, and the mayor should have just walked away because he walked right into a trap. Hey, uh, Susan, he invited them to New York. Oh, great. Can you imagine now? 120 countries. This is not, you know, people are so misinformed and partly because of the, you know, mainstream press. This is practically one of the only channels you can't go to Fox or anywhere to get the actual reality. I mean, this guy, maybe he does a little too much weed and he's, you know, you know, his uh, not in reality. Um, You know, he has some, you know, great. Um, it's all about his his image. Well, and Susan, you think that that's going to carry the day? Now that you brought up weed, uh, please, uh, Maestro uh, Matt Blaze, a little cucaracha music here. So I can tell you the story of La Cucaracha. It's a uh, it's like a nursery rhyme we heard right in elementary school. La Cucaracha. They won't play it anymore. It's considered culturally insensitive. But you need to know the history of La Cucaracha. Uh, Pancho Villa was uh, El Bandito who would go back and forth across the American border into New Mexico and raid the ranches, steal cattle, steal horses for his troops. His troops, because they were rebels, they were a bunch of, uh, I guess you would call them peasants and Indians at the time, mestizos. They were poor. And what they would do is they would smoke la cucaracha. Wheat. This is, this is what helped ward off the pain because liquor was too expensive. Tequila was too expensive. So what was the alternative for the peasants, the Indians, the mestizos? Weed. And so they would sing this song, La Cucaracha, as they would march either towards battle or running away from Blackjack Pershing, who was sent with 12,000 troops to hunt down Pancho Villa. And follow them singing La Cucaracha, sent by then-President Woodrow Wilson, who was just preparing uh, to enter us into World War I to help the Brits and the French against the Huns of Germany. And guess what? Blackjack Pershing never caught one of them. Never caught. Why? Because they were smoking their weed going, gringo, La Cucaracha. Look. If you listen to the chorus, Ken, could you do some translation? I know you had Spanish, but you know nothing about nothing. The chorus is about a hapless foot soldier who can't function unless he's high on weed. That's the whole La Cucaracha song. The opium of the poor. That's what it is. And they couldn't afford tequila. It was too expensive. So the alternative was, hey, let's just do a Cheech and Chong, right? That's right, you're never going to win the war on drugs. 
Even the troops who we were running after, Pancho Villa at that time, they were smoking weed. And Black Jack Pershing, who was a great general, couldn't catch one of them. Not one of them. They would cross the border back and forth in 1960 to Mexico, Las Cruces, that whole area there. They would raid the ranches, steal the cattle, steal the horses, steal the money. And then, naturally, there was the propaganda that they would steal the white women. The blonde-haired, blue-eyed white women, dark-skinned Mexicans. And that's when Woodrow Wilson said, we got to stop this. Didn't catch one of them. Not one. And by the way, who was um, who was serving uh, at that time uh, in Mexico City? A brigade of Irish. You know that? A brigade of Irish people were there battling on behalf of one side or the other side. I, I forget which side. So confusing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then also... There was General Santa Ana. Remember Santa Ana, the Alamo, right? Remember the Alamo? He installed himself as emperor in Mexico City. He got sacked. And do you know where he went to seek asylum, Uh, Ken? Can you imagine a place that nobody could ever find you in? Staten Island. Out of all, now remember, we hated him in America. This was like General Tojo. This was like General uh, Admiral Yamamoto, you know, the sneak attack of Pearl Harbor. Remember the Pearl, right? Santa Ana took a boat, went out to Staten Island, and nobody went out there back then because there was no plank. See, people get upset when I say the guinea gang plank. You know, the one that Frank Morano takes back and forth. There was no plank then. You just had to take a rowboat out there. There was no outer bridge crossing, Bayonne Bridge, Gothel's Bridge. So there's Santa Ana out there in the North Shore with a peg leg. A peg leg. And he invented chiclets. And tried to raise enough money to go back to Mexico to take over. I mean, think of all these people. You have Napoleon on the island of Elba, right? Who wanted to get back and take over the world. You have Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo right now. He's sulking out there at the compound in Southampton of Fredo. His brother who has a muscle between both ears. And then, of course, you had Santa Ana who thought that he could gather up troops... Uh, get the money on Staten Island and go back and take over Mexico. That never happened. You know who else did that? Garibaldi. Garibaldi was kicked out of Italy. He tried to unite Italy into one nation. It was divided by all the princes and the self-appointed uh, kings and with their schmatas on. And he, there's a house there dedicated right near the North Shore, the Garibaldi. He collected monies there. He went back. And the unification of Italy came about. As he forcibly brought them all together. And where did that start? On Staten, Italy. You'll learn a lot when you listen to Curtis Sliwa. I know it's 1-800-848-9222. I see you getting very excited at that song, Matt Blaze, La Cucaracha, right? You can't play that song. It's considered racist now. Racist. Racist. It's really not. And that is the history of La Cucaracha. What a mess. What a mess. Anyway, let's go to Sean, who's been patiently waiting on the line from where George Pataki originally served before he became governor as the mayor of Peekskill. Hey, Curtis. I'm listening to Jersey Joe today, and he plays Frank Sinatra south of the border. 
Well, now, wait a second. You're right, because I've been busting his stones that he doesn't play south of the border in his normal rotation or the coffee song about Brazil, which is now my leading every time I talk about that fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi George Santos. But here it is. I want you to hear it because he did give me a shout-out. He finally cleaned the wax out of his ears and played Frank Sinatra south of the border. We're going to play. It's a great song. This is for you, Curtis. Frank Sinatra, Nelson Riddle, south of the border. South of the border, down Mexico. See, Sean, he did come through. I badgered him, I harassed him, until finally he had to capitulate and play south of the border. Yeah, I missed the shout out. Oh, wait, wait, let's do that shout out again. Hold on, he wants that uh, cut the song right here. It's a great song, by the way. Uh, I'm not a Frank Sinatra fan. Well, wait a second, hold on. You step, you're stepping all over me here, Matt Blaze. I know you do that to Frank Morano and you pimp slap him around, but you're not going to do that to me. Uh, let's hear the shout-out for Sean. We're going to play. It's a great song. This is for you, Curtis. Frank Sinatra, Nelson Riddle, South of the Border. You hear that, Sean? I heard it. I heard it. He came through, but I, I got, I, I've been busting his stones for a month about this. I can't understand why he doesn't play that song, and now he finally played it. And the other one is the coffee song, which I am now, every time I ever talk about George Santos, that fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi, you know, who cannot tell the truth about anything uh, because he claims he is from Brazil. The, the most outrageous recent lie he's told, uh, Sean, is that he was an NCAA all-star. Uh, he played volleyball for Baruch and actually competed and helped his team beat Yale and Harvard, even though they're not in the same league. And at the age of 32, he's only 32, he had to have knee replacement surgery at the age of 23 because he was always spiking the ball at the net, Sean. I believe him. Okay, I mean, he might as well. I mean, we end up believing everybody else there in Washington, Democrats or uh, Republicans, by the way, let me hear the coffee song, the coffee song. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. No tea or tomato juice. Nelson Riddle uh, created You'll the score see. here for Frank Sinatra. No uh, next week, juice. I want all of you listeners out there to bust Jersey Joe Piscopo Stones and make him play the coffee song, which he never does. Thank you, Sean, for bringing that to our attention. Thank you. Okay, Appreciate that. From Peak Skill. By the way, when you go up the Hudson River there and you hit Peak Skill, which is right by the Tappan Zee Bridge, it'll always be the Tappan Zee Bridge. It will never be the Mario Facha Bruta Como Bridge. You notice that, like, almost everyone in Peak Skill doesn't speak English anymore. <laughs> it's like it's like El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. Hey, does anybody speak English here? Hey, that's a, hey, pretty soon English will be a secondary language here if Joe Biden has his way. Can I hear Eric Adams again talking to the 40 illegals from Venezuela 
and it has now been reported tonight on Univision and Telemundo, which they all watch in South America, Central America, the DR, the Dominican Republic, locally, the local outlets are Channel 41, Channel 47, but they have a national news broadcast. This is what was heard throughout the Spanish-speaking Western Hemisphere. They're cheering him, they're thanking him, they're saying, take me with you, I want to go to New York, you, you, you go, we want to work. And Eric Adams is telling them all, he's going, yeah, we, we want to find you a good place in our city and we want you to work. What a schmuck. Channel 41, Channel 47 tonight. I know most of you don't watch that. I did. I got the translation. You know, the news anchors. By the way, have you ever watched Channel 41, Channel 47? Those news anchors are whiter than the white reporters on Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Every time I've been to a Central American country, a South American country, or the DR, in fact, in the DR, they're, they're more black-skinned uh, Dominicans than they're all light-skinned. How come they're not a reflection of their Spanish-speaking cultures and countries in the Western Hemisphere? It's like they're the McWhitey-Whiteys. I've never seen so many white Hispanics in my life. Channel 41, Channel 47. Is there anybody with any kind of a shade of color, you know? It's like when I was in El Salvador, when I was in Honduras. You know, when I was in, uh, I see, uh, not Rio de Janeiro. That, that's George Santos. Oh, yeah, I'm a Latino. No, you're not. You're Portuguese, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. As you can tell, it's not the kind of illegal aliens we're talking about. It's the Norsemen. It's the Vikings. And yeah, I don't want to hear that the Giants beat the Vikings, okay? We're going to hear that all morning long. From Sid Rosenberg and all the little minions there who think that they're on the fan and ESPN. 31-24, what would you think of Daniel Jones? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, please. If I want that, I'll go I'll listen to the fan. I'll listen to ESPN. It's going to be four hours. I'm going to be there at 7.05 as I am Mondays at 7.05, Fridays at 7.05, bookends. And I'm not going to let Sid Rosenberg just t- turn it into a super sports spectacular. No, no, no. 
I'm going to say, what about your homie down there in El Paso? What about your homie in El Paso there inviting the illegals to come to New York, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, this reminds me. Going to 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, all the square heads, the remaining Norwegians. Yeah, they're Lutherans. Uh, yeah, I know, Ken. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Why do you call them squareheads? Because my dad, my father, merchant seaman for 54 years, said they're the best seaman ever. That's why you call them a squarehead. You know, because they'd have to square everything out on the map. It's not a derogatory term. I know right away, oh, that's not politically correct. We have to censure, Curtis. Cancel culture, no. But you go there once a year and they have the Leif Erickson, Eric Today, Eric the Red Parade. And all the squareheads, the Norwegians, you know, they think that Eric the Red, Leif Erickson discovered the new new world. Yeah, Greenland to Newfoundland, you know, to the maritime provinces. They swear that they discovered the new world. Then I got to deal with the Irish nuns. The Irish nuns, the Josephite nuns who tried to brainwash me at St. Matthew's Catholic Elementary School on Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue in 1960. Two things they tried to brainwash me. That it was St. Brendan the Navigator who discovered the New World. And that if my parents didn't vote for JFK, a good Irish man, they would go to hell if they voted for Richard Nixon. So I would go home and I'd say, Mom, Mom, Dad, you know, Sister Ruth said if you don't vote for JFK... You're going to go to hell. I said, no problems. We're Democrats. We, we don't vote for any Republicans. Don't worry about it. We got it covered. I said, I was worried. I said, I didn't want you to go to hell. I understand it's kind of hot down there. Don't worry. In fact, my parents were not even Giuliani de- Democrats or Reagan Democrats. Yeah, they voted for Dinkins. <laughs> they voted for Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Hardcore, in fact, on the night when Bush, uh, 43, beat uh, Mr. Uh, Heinz uh, Pickles there, you know, Kerry, for the presidency, I was out there with uh, Guy Molinari at the time, all the Republicans on Highland Boulevard, and uh, I called my dad. I said, can I come home? I understand that mom is not feeling too well. He goes... You don't ever come into our house again. You are responsible for Bush 43 being president. I said, Dad, I'm just a local talk show host on WABC. You're not welcome in this house. I was out of there for three months. I was banned. Hardcore Democrats. You walked into my mom and dad's bedroom on the second floor, right there on 89th and J. They had four people on the wall. They had Jesus Christ, right? Pope John Paul, the Polish Pope. JFK, Barack Obama, and I said to my dad, Dad, you're from Chicago, the land of Lincoln, right? Can you put like a $5 bill up there with Lincoln's uh, picture? No, he's a Republican. Dad, can you give me your $5 in your pocket? I want to take all those Republicans out of here. Get out of here, you Weisenheimer. Now, that's hardcore Democrat, right? Anyway, this is the immigrant song about the Vikings and the Norsemen who came across the Atlantic to settle in Greenland. By the way, it is melting. We're going to see a lot of green in Greenland. It used to be all snow and ice. Nope. Uh, and Newfoundland, uh, you know, over there, New Brunswick, uh, Halifax, the Maritime Provinces, they swear that Eric the Red and Leif Erikson discovered the New World. Not 
they disparage Christopher Columbus, as the Irish do claim it's St. Brendan's the navigator, right? You got to you gotta fight for Christopher Columbus, and then they tell you, oh, he is horrible, Christopher Columbus. Oh, I love this song, yeah. You're not going to hear this uh, on the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Never, never, never. So good. By the way, can we back scratch this? Like we do uh, Stairway to Heaven and see exactly what uh, Robert Plant is saying in this song. I mean, we're very important. Because, you know, they always have these secret messages. It's like satanic, antichrist, you know, 666. You know, I'm telling you, it's like Stairway to Heaven. How many times you would go home, you run home after school, and you'd be back scratching that record over and over again, and you would hear Luke. Lucifer speak to you, right? Lucifer. You would say, who's Lucifer? The devil. What? Satan. What? I don't want to be excommunicated. And I remember the first time they backscratched the record, I said to myself, oh, my God, will the flying nun come down and excommunicate me from the Roman Catholic Church? Will I no longer be an R.C.? Real Christian as we flex. Out of the way, Protestants. Out of the way, Eastern Orthodox. Out of the way, Lutherans. Oh, by the way, Lutherans, uh, very good uh, parochial schools. You know, they never really get uh, their due. I've known a lot of guys and gals who went to Lutheran schools who weren't even Lutheran. No, no. How come you went to a Lutheran school? Well, the local public school, you know, at the rate I was going, I would be doing triple life without parole in Attica. So what did your mom and dad do? He sent me to the local Lutheran school. Yeah, but Martin Luther, you know, with the indulgences that he posted, you know, against the Roman Catholic Church, the Western Church. And then I realized, that's right, Martin Luther was correct. What the hell? You, you don't get to pay your way into heaven. Are they still running that scam at the Vatican that you can pay your way to? Oh, that's right. Uh, forget the indulgences. You get an annulment. Here it is, you're Joe Kennedy the third or the fourth or the fifth, whatever. You've been married 18 years. you got like 18 kids because typical Irish, you don't believe in birth control. You go to the Vatican and you say, can you take my Kennedy money? That's right. Your marriage never existed. It's a no. Where did all those kids come from? That's right. He just disappears. Look at he split. See, I would have been a Lutheran. I would have been part of the Reformation, right? I would have been battling the Catholics. Except for one problem. Lutheran, uh, Martin Luther decided to burn the synagogues in the shoes because he was an anti-Semite too. What was it back then? They were always launching pogroms. If it wasn't the Catholics practicing, you know, on the Jews on their way to fight the Crusades against the Muslims, it was the Protestants. Boy, kind of tough to be a Jew over the years, right? If it wasn't one group of Christians, it was another group of Christians saying, let's practice on the Jews before we battle the Muslims for Jerusalem, for Israel. Although at that time, it wasn't called Israel, was it? 
Don't start that argument. We start calling it Palestine. We'll have demonstrations outside. And then Dove Hyken will be on with Sid Rosenberg in the morning. What the hell is Curtis talking about? In the meantime, you know what Sid's going to be talking about? Hey, did you see the giant game, guys? Oh, wow, man. Daniel Jones, man. Man, I haven't seen a performance like that since... Since when, Sid? Why, hey, Tittle, you weren't even birthed at the time. I'll straighten him out in the morning, 7.05. I'll get him back on track. And, you know, he's going to pray. He's going to kiss the tuchus of Eric Adams, who has returned from El Paso. And he's going to say he did a very good thing. And I'm going to say, Sid, listen to the translation of what was said to the crowd. Come to Nueva York. We have jobs for you. We want you to come to New York. I don't know if Eric Adams said that, but his translator said that. It's on Channel 41, Channel 47, Univision, Telemundo, all throughout the Western Hemisphere, wherever they speak Spanish. Eric Adams is welcoming all the illegal aliens to New York. And they were saying, thank you, Mayor. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, right, the Federales on the other side, what were they saying? We are Federales. You know, the mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges. We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. That's the way it is. The narco-terrorist rule, Pablo Shorty Guzman and the rest of that cabal. Up next, Animal Welfare Hour. You don't want to miss it. WABC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Over the course of human history... There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Now, this is the most listened to, the most uh, interactive, the most called into of all the programs that I do on WABC, especially over the weekends, where WABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Once again, it's my pleasure to welcome uh, on board my gorgeous wife, Nancy, animal rescuer, and the 18 rescue cats who are listening intently from our apartment in the Upper West Side, correct? Yes, correct, Curtis. Uh, glad to be on again. Well, we first must advise everyone, if they want a picture, a keeper. Uh, you caught me yesterday. I was in between shifts here at WABC, and I passed out on the chair there with my red beret on sleeping. And uh, can you describe the picture and how people can get this picture? Because it really is a classic picture uh, that shows you the few hours that I sleep and what happens when the cats are with me. 
Yeah, so you fell asleep uh, in like sort of normal fashion. You were sitting at the desk and you had been reading on your phone. So you had like your feet elevated and then you just fell asleep. But then um, one of the rescue kittens, Peanut, uh, he jumped like right on top of your chest and he was purring like very, very loudly. And he just stayed right there. Like as soon as you fell asleep, he went right on top of you. And I took the picture. So I put it up on your social media um, you know, it's Curtis Sliwa. So like on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, everything is Curtis Sliwa. So you see the picture of you uh, lounged out in the chair sleeping and Peanut uh, right on top of you. And the cats know that there's a purpose other than just uh, sitting on top of me. It's that it takes down my high blood pressure. Oh, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they seem to instinctively do it at, at certain times. Um, you know, so in between the shows on the weekend, you're so packed with your schedule, so you're always running around. It's like very little downtime. So I'm pretty sure they pick up on that. And then uh, how some of the people here that I work with get me so angry, my blood pressure gets <laughs> up to like 236 over 182. You know, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to bust a few uh, blood vessels, but that's okay. And we'll also put it on the WABC social networking when they decide to come to work sometime tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully. But anyway, let's get on track because wow, yeah. do we have a lot of stories for animal welfare. A lot. First a lot. off, this was a story brought to our attention by Rob Becerra and Grace Navarro, two great animal rights activists, who told us, "Look at what happened in Mount Vernon." They closed their animal shelter. In Say it ain't so, Nancy. Yeah, so this shelter has been in uh, Mountain Vernon since 1974. And as of the end of this month, it will no longer be in existence. So, you know, and, and again, it's, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, the amount of animals that they have, uh, you know, what they're claiming that they're doing at this point is that, Supposedly, this shelter has a number of upgrades that it needed to have, had some violations. So they're not going to, um, you know, they they find this basically into non-existence. And the animals that are there are being transported to a bigger place, like a humane society. So now they're sort of contracting with, um, you know, this humane society. So, again, it's the details are a little bit um, sketchy. But it seems like what happened is for a very long time, the, the city there, they hadn't made any investments in this shelter system. And then, you know, by virtue of that, now they're just, um, you know, relying on other rescue groups, which already, you know, obviously they're already, you know, filled up. And this other organization that they're now contracting with, which already has um, animals in capacity, because they're saying, well, we've made a decision um, to save money and to, like, outsource this responsibility. So obviously people are outraged about it, and there's a number of animals that are still, you know, haven't been placed and haven't been adopted, so time is of the essence. And definitely having spent a lot of time in Mount Vernon, Nancy, yeah, a lot of pit bulls, a lot of, a lot of bull mastiffs, uh, a lot of fighting dogs that uh, end up being surrendered or taken uh, from uh, people raising them for the wrong purposes and then stored in that shelter. I think, you know, what we got to do is you showed me this video from the Animal Planet, uh, how these three women put together a private shelter, a no-kill shelter in Los Angeles, 
I'm going to try to approach Denzel Washington. I don't know if he likes me. Uh, I like him as an actor. He, he grew up in Mount Vernon, went to Fordham University. P. Diddy was the other one who grew up in uh, Mount Vernon. He's now a billionaire. I hate him. He hates me. Uh, somebody to approach him. See if maybe we can get a private shelter set up, a no-kill shelter, which will take better care of these animals. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the operating budget of this shelter is... Um, you know, like about 200000 per year, and they've already been able to cut it down below that. So, I mean, this is what it costs to run the shelter there. I mean, so you're not talking about a ton of money, so it's definitely feasible to do this. Wow. Well, uh, we'll keep our audience updated on that. Let's uh, go down to the Garden State Brick Township where two women were involved in a hoarding case. I mean, dozens and dozens of animals, uh, I think it was dogs and cats, taken out of their house. And now they've gone to court to say they want seven of their personal dogs back, even after abusing all those other dogs and cats. Yeah, so it was a total of 180 animals that were um, taken from this residence that these two women had lived in. And, so, you know, you know, they supposedly they were doing this as a like a sale purpose, a breeding mill type purpose, because, um, you know, when they were brought in, when they were, um, you know, uh, charged, this is back in December, the animals initially had been removed from the premises, and the people who did this had to wear hazmat suits because that's how um, extreme the condition was that this house was kept in, that these animals were living in. So now um, the case is proceeding through the court system, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure there's not going to be a lot of penalty associated with what they've done because that's sadly the reality of the, the animal was when it comes to these type of abuses. But the incredible thing is that they're claiming seven of these um, dogs are their personal pets. So they're, they want to reclaim those back from them. So out of the 180 that were taken, they say seven, well, there are pets and we want them back. So they're going to have a day in court, uh, January 24th, where they make their plea to have their pets back in their possession. So obviously everyone's against that. Of course, they're sick. These two women are sick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and they think it's okay to, because they're their pets. So I, I'm, I'm surprised they can even have this date before the court. Like, that should be a given that in no way they would get back these You would, these You would think they would be in a mental health facility. They have a serious problem. And yeah, exactly. And a waste of resources because they're going to do this as opposed to, you know, having a psych evaluation or something that would be more meaningful. Yeah, if you could follow up on that and keep our audience aware of that. In fact, I remember you rescued uh, Tiny, uh, the cat who was uh, from a hoarding situation, a horrible hoarding situation. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And when you first brought Tiny over, Tiny was a scavenger. Tiny would just, like, attack any food it would see because you could see wherever it it had been raised, it, it, it was Darwinian survival of the fittest in a hoarding situation. Yeah, right. So, I mean, in, in the hoarding situation... I mean, I think there's obviously lots of, of different ways that it could look. And I think in the situation where Tiny came from, it was more of someone who, you know, probably took these animals on board with good intention, but were, was just way out of their league because it was close to 40 animals and the condition of them was really bad. So there was no indication that they were breeding them. Um, but when Tiny first came to us, um, you know, Tiny's long-haired and Tiny was, I mean, just completely 
covered it almost seemed like a, like an oily type substance so i can only imagine that you know one of the areas where these animals were forced to be because there was so many it's like a garage type thing you know you can sort of see that oil type substance on her and um, I think because they weren't fed regularly, or certainly not like normal cats would be fed, they were so accustomed to grabbing whatever they could. So I'm sure anything in garbage, if they could grab it there. So when we would start eating our food, um, that was the first thing she would go for. She didn't even know what it was like to be fed as a cat. Yeah, she was just scavenged. Man, I'd have yeah. something in my hand and she'd jump on it. <laughs> exactly, so I, exactly. I, I'll give it to you. It's a vegetable. It, it didn't matter. <laughs> Whatever it was, it's, I can jump on it. But anyway, exactly. uh, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the newspapers are filled with a lot of bad news. And the other day, the New York Post, I opened it up, and wow, I saw this woman. She had this big smile on her face. She had this tiny terrier and it turned out in reading the story, it really would break your heart that nobody wanted this tiny terrier. And then it found a home of its own. It had a, a really good ending to it. Can you ex- explain the story from beginning to end? Yeah, so uh, it was a public adoption event that was, I believe it was in Central Park. And, they, you know, they're uh, bringing all of these uh, dogs that were rescued in some form and this was the only dog that uh, none of the public had approached. So, uh, you know, I guess in, in, in a, this some, sometimes this is how you have to do it, right? They don't get enough attention on their own. So a video was posted of this dog not getting attention. And then that was able to be promoted so that people, you know, their hearts were going out for this dog. And they wound up having a lot of applications for adoption, which obviously is great. And, you know, because of the uh, just tremendous amount of, you know, interest, they were able to really vet out, um, you know, the appropriate uh, person for this dog. Because, again, right, this is like a rescue dog. So uh, part of the reason why, you know, supposedly maybe people weren't coming up, the dog seemed very scared and timid. So, you know, that maybe would shy the people away from initially approaching this dog. So it was a dog where it needed to be in a situation where obviously it was going to have a lot more time and a lot more of a you know an owner who's going to be able to understand that situation so that's i mean that's a great story and you know that's why obviously in the adoption process it's great when you can um you know sort of vet to that degree right there's there's always that that question mark like how much of a hurdle do you want to put in the adoption process um like this story described having a home visit now there are some places where they want to have a home visit uh, you know, that could be intrusive to some people and other places, you know, you put down references, whether they call or not. So, you know, it's just a very interesting thing. Animals are often given away. Um, I, you know, it's it's great that they went to such a large extent to get the right, you know, home for this dog. Uh, it just warms your heart. It's a, such a piece of good news. And you see the woman who adopted the terrier. You see, she had a smile from ear to ear. And like you could tell, it made all the difference in the world to her for that tiny terrier. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. Out of all the hours that I do on the weekends where WABC, the acronym, stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis, it is the most requested. It is the one hour that I get most response to, and Nancy does, and we get our most calls to. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. Now, I wonder if this story is conflated. Uh, The other day, 
uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb uh, gave her inaugural address to the state legislature. And I know a lot of people were running away because, first of all, it was boring. Uh, it didn't really say anything. And I'm trying to see this Albany bear ran how many miles away from Albany? <laughs> 140 miles. Just to avoid the speech to get out of the area of Capitol Hill. That's what it seems like. And what what then became of this black bear? Well, unfortunately, um, the bear was uh, struck by a car and succumbed to the the injuries. So this bear is no longer, but this was a, a bear that had initially been found in uh, park in Albany, like a you know, like a residential, like a community park, and it was in a tree. So obviously, it started. It got a lot of attention. People were looking. They had to, um, you know, tranquilize the bear just to get it down. And then they moved it to uh, like a rescue type sanctuary somewhere in the Catskills. But apparently, the you know, but you know, again, it was only two years old, and it was by itself in the sanctuary. So I'm not sure what the the habits of the bear are, but, you know, apparently it was looking for something because it went 140 miles from, you know, where they placed it, and unfortunately it died. Wow. Imagine that bear, that black bear traveled 140 miles on its own. Yeah, and, you know, and and part of uh, what they were saying, because it was in Pennsylvania that it was found, that, you know, their instinct to go for, you know, in search of uh, food and mates so, I mean, again, right, this bear had been um, placed on its own when it was found. So in that sense, it's it's on its own. So it probably was looking for mates and to establish its own group. And probably 140 miles isn't anything for a bear. Well, speaking of uh, tragic deaths of uh, animals, this one, wow, they're like popping up on beaches everywhere. Big whales. Now, you know, whenever I talk about whales, I'm talking about Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, going up and down the Atlantic Ocean along the Jersey Shore from Wildwood to Point Pleasant. Uh, But there have been a total, Nancy, of seven whales of different descriptions that have washed ashore. Two alone, one in Atlantic City and one nearby in Brigginton, which is, I think, where Frank Morano ultimately wants to uh, move with Rachel and little Carmine. He was shooting craps at the Borgata. He didn't even know there was a whale outside on the beach. Everybody was, like, running little over. Carmine? Yeah, it's just shooting craps. And meantime, <laughs> here are all these people on the beach. They're trying to push the whale back in, but it was just yeah. too big. Why do you think that all these whales, all of a sudden, seven of them, uh, have just washed ashore and they can't seem to get back into the water. You know what? This this is interesting. It's it's hard to say, right? Like what's going on in the ocean that's causing this. But w- when we were speaking uh, previous week, uh, some of these animals uh, they're starting to develop, um, like you know, issues like dementia. So you could just have a large amount of um, whales that are just getting off course, especially if they're by themselves, right? Because they um, would normally be in a school of other whales. So if they're by themselves, they might have just gone off course, and you know, so they may have problems. Now, to what extent? I'm sure they can figure this out if they do um, testing on these animals. But I've noticed that most of the 
uh, anything that, that is in the water in Manhattan area and Brooklyn area, same thing like with the Gowanus Canal, when things enter, they don't seem to ever leave. So I think there's a high level of pollution as well. Oh, yeah, the toxicity there yeah, is still uh, yeah. horrible, uh, the PCBs and such. But actually, it's good news in terms of uh, what I call global warming and climate change and the damage that's been done to Mother Earth. One of the few positives to report on, Nancy, is that once an open sewer, New York Harbor now teems with life thanks to the Clean Water Act that was imposed. As I remember as a kid, it was like it was a sewer. And now you actually have whales and you have porpoises uh, in the Hudson River, which was unthinkable years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I find it still somewhat frightening, but um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when I see uh, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, swimming up the Hudson River towards Albany, then I'll know. I- I'm telling you. I kid you not, every Sunday morning he's on an ABC, and it's Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie. Anyway, from whales to cheetahs. So during the lockdown and pandemic uh, that started in March of 2020 globally, there was almost no travel that was taking place. So a lot of people would typically go on safaris to Africa, not to kill animals like some uh, Big game hunters like uh, Trump's sons, you know, all proud. Yeah, we took down an elephant, took down an elk, punks. Uh, but the point is, is that no safaris were going out. Now, all of a sudden, travel has uh, resumed. And now there are too many people on safaris. These are not the safaris where they track the animals and kill the animals. These are safaris where they just follow the animals the herding, and they film it, but they're too many and they're getting too close, right? Yeah, so uh, it's like it being described as aggressive tourism. Uh, this particular story was covering uh, what's going on in Kenya, where, uh, you know, to your point, these uh, tourism trips, they're set up in, in a way almost like the opposite of what a zoo would be, right? So you go to the zoo and you see them in an enclosure. Well, here... You're going to these national reserves, and you're supposedly seeing these animals in the wild, and so you're getting a, a like a bird's eye view of what their day looks like. But the problem is the level of tourism that's happening and the way that it's impacting on the animals. So this is like really the claim, right? So these animals, every time that they're doing anything that's like natural, um, you know, behavior, including just um, hunting. The minute that they go for the kill, like all of a sudden they're swarmed by these uh, four by four trucks going alongside because this is the purpose of the tourism and the level of tourism and and the amount of vehicles and people traffic associated with it. So this is like 10 percent of the GDP of Kenya is associated with tourism. So they're not going to stop doing this. But the level, the impact of this. There's something called the Great Migration that occurs across um, the entire uh, continent and includes um, a ton of mammals. And the tourism is so drastic that it's actually affecting that pattern, like the pathway that these animals take. So, I mean, again, I think the, the long-term impact is going to take a while to see, but 
it's looking really bad, like what they're doing to the natural habitat and environment of these animals out there. Oh, you know, there used to be a great program. This is long before you were birthed or any of our staff here. There was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom in which they would follow the animals. Uh, and you could watch it from the comfort of your home. And it was really great because they didn't interfere with the animals. They were very mm-hmm. respectful of the herding yeah, across yeah. the Kalahari. You know, it was really great. But you're right. It's too many damn people now following the animals. They just got to back off. They don't have to get up there with their iPhone, you know, and have face-to-face encounters with these animals in the wild. I mean, the the more successful route, if they were really being innovative, would be to really be as hands-off as possible, to see it as natural as possible. So, I mean, it's also lazy business work, what they're doing. Now, this one I don't get truffles i don't know what a truffle <laughs> is all i know it's not ruffles with ridges right i mean truffle sounds like something that the the rich and the privileged eat but i understand that they depend on dogs to hunt out the truffles and to bring them to the plate i don't understand that could you explain that yeah actually yeah, actually this is really interesting so yeah in terms of the 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 truffles these are ex- extracted from the ground, and this is like in Italy where this is happening. Now, the dogs, the reason why they're utilized is because there's like a fungi that grows underneath the ground. So there's a way that you can train certain dogs to sniff this out. And when they do, uh, you know, basically it's like you're harvesting the truffles and then you're selling them. The problem is because this is such, um, you know, a big industry and people don't want that happening. They don't want people coming in and stealing the truffles from underneath the ground. There are uh, people who are putting poisons down. So there's um, a number of animals, like for instance, last year they said there was hundreds of dogs in uh, central Italy who were killed as they were being, you know, as they were walking throughout the forest, you know, company with their owners because they inadvertently ate these poisons that are being put down. And what it is, it's like strychnine. So it's like rat poison that's being put down. And with like a half an hour, um, the dogs are dead now. It's also affecting other animals. But this is what the dogs do. They hunt out the truffles. Now, what is a truffle? It's just bacteria? Yeah, well, well it's, um, it's, like a, it's like a growth, right? So Now, I can understand why um, this, is, like, this is happening because, well, first of all, the, the truffle... I think it's really just a health benefit. Um, it's a fungi that's growing, which, you know, a mushroom, those are all really healthy. It's growing near birch, which is like the healthiest um, tree you could be absorbing anything from. And the amount that these, so white truffles, this is specifically what they were talking about, it sells for about $400 an ounce, right? So this is like the equivalent of, you know, what, what uh, uh, stuff goes for on the streets, like in the black market for drugs. And they're just underneath the ground for free everywhere. Like, this is why it's such an aggressive business there. I mean, I I can't react. Uh, Ruffles have ridges, right? That's what I was growing (laughs) up uh, with. Uh, That's for a blue-collar, working-class family. Truffles. But now, speaking of Italy. Yes. Now, you know this is the big contentious issue that our audience has with you and me. Because we go out and we feed the city pigeons. They they think that they are flying rats, you know, rats with uh, feathers. I got to tell you, 
Um, this makes me, uh, I have renewed faith in the Italian government, of which I never did. I have seven guardian angel chapters in Italy, and the government has always given me grief. But apparently the actor Michael Bay was charged with killing a pigeon in Italy? Well, yeah. So, okay, he's he's being charged uh, technically because he's the director of uh, you know a show that's being I think it's like a Netflix series that's being filmed there, and supposedly like as they're filming on the streets, one of the dollies that that was used in the production had run over a street pigeon, and there was someone who attested to this fact and then actually had like a picture evidence. And so because he's the director, even though they're not saying he directly did it, they're charging him with this. So right away, he's like, oh, no, I didn't do this. And, you know, I'm an animal activist. This is ridiculous. And they offered to you know, settle for a fine, you know, pay, pay a fee. And he said, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to admit to being an animal abuser when I didn't do anything. But they actually do have a law on the books in Italy that it's illegal to harm or kill a wild bird, so that does include the pigeons on the streets there. Well, if you've ever been to Venice with the canals, the one thing you see everywhere, the pigeons. I mean, incredible. Well, you, our, our flocks of pigeons <laughs> pale, pale in comparison. In comparison. Oh, and they're professionals. They know how to yes. work the tourists. They dive bomb. You know, they uh, avoid pooping on the tourists because they realize you poop on the tourists, you're not going to get fed. But yes. it is incredible that also the Italians consider uh, pigeon soup to be a delicacy. Oh. Yeah, my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, he would have pigeon soup, and we would all be, like, grossed out about it. But we didn't realize that back in Italy, that is considered a delicacy. Yeah, so I'm not sure So what the distinction would be that they would make, unless they were just making it strictly on... Uh, you know, like uh, a moral sort of uh, ground that you don't want people just randomly killing pigeons on the street. Boy, that's the biggest battle we have, Nancy. How many times people come up to us and start arguing with us, like, what are you feeding those rat, those rat pigeons? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why people are so adamant against it. Um, but, yeah, it definitely you, you see a lot of that. You see a lot of that. Yeah, the building here, they don't say anything to me anymore because they know they're going to have a fight. You know, building management, they come out, oh, you can't feed the pigeons, they tell other people. They told our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, a billionaire who could buy this building ten times over. They said, you can't feed the pigeons. And he turned to them and he goes, how about if I buy the building? Can I feed the pigeons then? And they, like, backed off. Yeah, and it's not a good look if you try to mandate that someone be involved in starving an animal. Like, I'm not sure how you can spin that a nice way. Well, they blame me because they say these pigeons are over on the west side. They, they, I say, you can identify them as being upper west side pigeons as opposed to upper east side pigeons. They say, yeah, because when you're not here, there are very few of them here. The moment you're here, they flock here. They fly over from the yeah. upper west side and they perch themselves on the... Uh, on the various poles here, and they just look into the studio and they wait very patiently for me to get out and feed them. 
Well, according to criminal law, you can question your accuser, so you need names of the pigeons. You'll have to represent me as an attorney in good standing, and Nancy, you are an esquire, correct? Yes, correct. Anyway, our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. We'll go to the phones as this is the Animal Welfare Hour, the only Animal Welfare Hour that you can find anywhere in the United States on any radio station in the nation. W-A-B-C. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the uh, phones we go, Nancy. It's Michael in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Mike. Fine, uh, Curtis. I saw a photo of you a couple of days ago with one of your new cats. And the New York Post. Yes, actually, that uh, was Gizmo. Nancy, can you uh, tell the history of Gizmo and how popular Gizmo is with her own Twitter account? Yeah, right. So, um, so let's say Gizmo was a rescue cat um, for the campaign. That's the cat who accompanied you when you went to cast your vote. Um Gizmo was adopted out, so Gizmo is doing great now. Gizmo has a, a Twitter account, which is great. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure. So, yeah, so Gizmo is a rescue cat who was, again, you know, a kitten at the shelter and was going to be euthanized and, you know, had a whole host of problems. But, uh, you know, thankfully just, you know, got better. So, yep, that's Gizmo. Well, I'm sort of pissed off at Gizmo. Gizmo has more <laughs> Twitter followers than I do. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's the cats. They're cute, you know? Gizmo was on all the late-night talk shows. Not me. Gizmo was. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, 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 adopt them out. Adopt them out. Right? Yet yeah, the, the, the Twitter account is still active and doing better than my Twitter account. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's good. It's, um, you know, it's good promotion, cross-promotion, so you should be happy. How uh, can people uh, stay in touch with Gizmo, the Twitter cat? Well, it's just Gizmo Sliwa. So that's the that's the handle. So it's like Gizmo Sliwa. Anyway, let's go to Judith in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Judith. Hi, guys. I'm a, I'm, I just came to Florida. I'm so exhausted. I said, I'm listening to you, Curtis. You're so interesting. I can't even tell you. And Nancy, it's so nice to hear you. You know what? Last time you were on, I was listening to you, and you were talking about some cats going over to people's legs and being caressing their legs or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, can cats and even dogs, would you know, Nancy, do they sense when a human being loves them and they feel that love, and that's why they feel they can go approach them so closely? You know, I have to believe that that's the case because – I do think that they can sense people's intentions, which is why, like, you know, sometimes people have dogs and they will bark at someone right away. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. dogs, I think, have that sense. Um, I do think, you know, I do think cats have that sense to to a thing as well. And I think part of it also is just how you approach them, right? So when people are nervous around animals, that's always going to make them very nervous. So if people didn't grow up with animals – I think there's a lot of trepidation just generally, but I, to your point, I think they can sense that, you know, in the body language, right? They read a lot of body language. So 
it's very, you know, it's very easy to tell, like, when someone's trying to, you know, interact with you in a nice way. And, you know, I, you see people who are kind of smart Alex with animals and you see their body language. So I have to believe animals pick up on that as well. It's amazing. All of our listeners who have moved to Florida from up here in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, especially New York and Connecticut, who continue to listen to WABC, they may have cut their ties and living up here, but when they get down to Florida, they continue to listen on the app, uh, the stream on their uh, laptop computer, their working computer, and they can hear it better than if they were a block away from WABC in Midtown Manhattan because of all the steel and glass and case towers here that sometimes uh, block the signal. In fact, let's go, if we can, to Dave, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Dave. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Sliwa. My friend has moved to Maine, and um, he's lost his, my wife says I should say, that his dog has died. And it was a rescue dog, and they've rescued many animals. And now his wife is on social media, and she's starting to look at rescuing a dog from Central America. When people cross the border, they are unable to take their dogs with them. Have you heard of any um, any folks that have had animals that are free of disease and have been successfully adopting animals from the border? Oh wow, that's you know that's something that I'm not aware of um, at this point. I mean, I, I'm sure there are places, but yeah, I, I'm, me personally, I'm not aware of that. Well, Dave, wow. what has more commonly occurred as a result of the invasion uh, by Putin uh, into the Ukraine from Russia, uh, a lot of Ukrainians uh, were, had, were forced to put up their their animals for adoption. These were their family members, and some were transported uh, to North America, to Canada and the United States, but have not heard about uh, anyone at the border. Might have been a good question for Eric Adams, who was down there, our mayor, for all of a nanosecond. I'm going to grill uh, Dominic Carter on that, uh, Nancy. Um, you know, his uh, his number one uh, guy, oh, that promo, right? Hey, that's my, that's my boy. Yeah, yeah, Dominic, Dominic Carter. By the way, uh, you know, Dominic, so many weeks after, is still mourning the loss of his dog, Dolce. Oh, yeah, I I would believe that. You just mentioned Dolce, and, and he tears up. It's like people mourn their animal friends and their animal family members oftentimes longer than people that they grew up with, they were married to, uh, their children. It is incredible. Well, I mean, you know, you have, I think, uh, much more, in many ways, like a personal relationship because – no one is going to see you more than your pets. Uh, you're coming home to them all the time. You're seeing them at times when, like, so again, you share a lot of sort of that personal interaction that other people don't see. And I think they bring a lot of comfort for that reason as well. So it is, you know, it's a very unique relationship. In fact, when is the only time you ever saw me cry, Nancy? Well, uh, I, I, mean, when, I mean, I remember when Homer passed. Mm. It was tough. Homer was the blind cat who would meow. He would hear me, and he would meow. And it was like he was uh, he was my pal. And when Homer passed, I cried like a little baby. 
yeah, yeah. I still think of Homer every day. The blind, yeah, I, the <laughs> blind cat that was slated for execution into shelter. You were kind enough to go rescue him before they euthanized him, and we we spent a few great years with Homer. Yeah, and I, actually, I was uh, relaying that story the other day to to someone as well about how when I went to um, adopt Homer, and uh, you know they had him in the the cage at the shelter, and they were about to close, and I didn't want to take a chance they were going to euthanize. I said. But they didn't, they didn't have time. To, oh, we don't have time to put him in a room for you to have a personal visit. So we'll just open up the, the cage, and you can just, you know, put your hands in there and pet him. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not going to do that to a blind cat. Like, just put my, my hand in and start grabbing. I'm like, that's fine. I'll take him. Mm. And I knew he would be fine, but that was how I was gonna, supposed to have my introduction to Homer. Oh, yeah, but he was so great. He, every time he would sense I was in the room, he would meow. <laughs> he would. He would. Anyway, let's go to Charlotte in Woodbury. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Charlotte. Yeah, hi. I need some advice. Um, I rescued a cat that was run over. It was a black cat with one eye, and it had a broken leg. And I saw the tip of the ear had been, you know, clipped, and so I knew it was feral. Um, When I brought it to the vet, they said, well, you have to keep it off the foot for four or five weeks and uh, let the the leg heal. So I got a cage and I put him in my living room. And now it's I, he's out of the cage and I let him walk around and stuff. His leg heals but dislocated. Mm-hmm. And um, it's five months. He doesn't let me pet him. He doesn't. Oh, wow. She she doesn't yeah. let me um, pick her up. And her nails are so long now. I and they're getting caught in the rug. I have to bring her to the vet, but I can't pick her up. I can't pet her. She'll play, you know, with the ball with me and um, the thing on the stick. But uh, And she'll even take a treat from my hand. But if I put my hand out to try to pet her or to grab her, she's gone under the love seat, and I can't get her. Why, uh, so what why, can I do? They had said, well, sit on the floor. And I, I mean, I sit on the floor. I'm not a spring chicken, so you know, <laughs> once I'm on the floor, it's hard for me to get up. <laughs> but I sit on the floor to try and make her, you know, down so I'm not so big. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, it's five months now, and, and I really need to get her nails cut because she's getting caught on the rug with those fangs that she has, you know? Yeah, now, so in addition, if you can, Nancy, here's this woman caring for this cat. The cat is obviously showing affection at times, but limited. What is it about the cat that disables it from being able to become a domestic cat, where it still wants to keep its distance? Yeah, I would say at this point, though, that's some pretty, you know, uh, definitive progress right so um you know one of the cats that we have i mean to this day will still get like skittish with me and i mean you know we've had this cat forever since it's been uh you know quite tiny so i think that's a little bit ingrained in the personality i think that's fairly far to go now in terms of um you know moving ahead with trying to get the um like the vet visit um making that happen yeah that's going to be a little tougher but if the claws are an issue now because of the length of them, wherever it is that, um, you know, she likes to hide in or she likes to hang out in, maybe like, so I have, for instance, like a little, uh, a little, it looks like a little tiny couch, a little square thing. 
And it's actually also, you know, they put the nails on it and, you know, they're cutting down their nails. So anything where she can be cutting them herself until you can maybe get her to the point where you can do that. Now, in terms of picking up, it's very, you know, tough to pick up cats in general. Um, but the petting of them, I think the, yeah, I think eventually you get to the point of petting. I mean, most of my cats don't want to be picked up, and they've known me forever. So I think picking up is always going to be a, a challenge. But then there's Peanut, who not only wants to be picked up, wants to be held. Well, but again, right, so everyone, everyone's got a different personality. But I would say for what we consider, quote, unquote, feral, that's a lot of very, very positive um, types of interactions. And five months, you know, it, it definitely, I'm sure it's, it seems like a while just because of, you know, it's a, like slow in progress. But the work that's being done, I think there'll be that tipping point and where it'll just change, right? So all the work, even though it's not, it's not looking like it has done anything right yet, as much as you think it's actually working under the surface, and there'll just be this tipping point where one day you'll just start petting her and she'll be fine. And then, it, you know, and then it'll just be like that forever. So, yeah, I think you're probably closer than you realize. Let's go to Roberta in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Roberta. Oh, I'm calling about the whales. I, I, I was reading that there might be these um, offshore uh, wind farms they're trying to build. But when they go during the survey, and they make a lot of noise and using sonar. And it might be affecting the, the, affecting the, the whales themselves and, and, you know, could be why they're dying all of a sudden. Yeah, no, wow. I, I, I think, Roberta, they would have to uh, factor in so many things. But seven whales within close proximity. And imagine, imagine, Nancy, Frank Morano, he's he's shooting craps at the boy. Gotta, there's a whale that comes right up on the beach here. You can't miss it. He doesn't come outside. Then down the road in Brigantine, he's talked about getting a summer home there for himself, Rachel, and uh, Carmine, because, you know, he loves to just shoot craps morning, noon, and night. And he's oblivious. You see how these degenerate gamblers are? They don't even know what the hell's going on outside. You know what? And with as much ocean as exists in the world, I think we should all be concerned that the whales are trying to come up on land. <laughs> Anyway, let's go to Roberta, upstate New York. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Roberta. I have to get into it because I spend all year on it. Uh, anyway, last week you said that somebody threw a dog that got stuck on a barbed wire fence. It was a horrid story, and it must have been crying for help. Was it ever rescued? Was the guy ever caught, ha, 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 who did such a horrid story? This was a young man, remember, Nancy, in the hoodie who came oh, yeah. up to the fence, threw yeah, the, the dog over, the Rottweiler. He got caught on the razor wire. And the sad thing was, Roberta and everyone out there, that as he walked away, the dog came up to the fence like he still wanted to be with the guy. Even after being tortured like that, he still wanted to be with the guy. Yeah, the, he was uh, actually caught, this, this individual. He was arrested, and he's being charged with uh, felony animal cruelty uh, in terms of the dog. I think the dog is still at the the rescue. I don't think it's been adopted out, but it's not with him, which is good, and it's with a rescue group. Um, it's being cared for, and I think it had you know, a host of medical issues. It was around eight years old, and my guess would be he probably didn't take care of this dog very well. 
even though the dog was still loyal, the dog still was like looking at yeah, him from sad. afar, like, why are you leaving me here? Why are you leaving me here? Yeah. People don't understand the emotions, the sympathies that these animals, who are very much in many instances better than humans have, but the very yeah. people who abuse them. I mean, which is why it's completely disgraceful that we consider them property in the law. No, absolutely. Our, our 18 rescue cats are our family members. There's no doubt about it. Other people can have their own opinions, but they're our family members. But at this point, it's still a whole board full of calls. As I say, this is the most uh, the most called into uh, show of all the shows that I do here at WABC. Uh, people have the most interest. They look forward to the Animal Welfare Hour every Sunday from 11 to 12. Uh, Nancy, they can, if they missed any, they can get it on a podcast now, right? Uh, yes, on on a podcast, correct. All they have to do is go to wabcradio.com, wabcradio.com, and there's a picture, uh, <laughs> I believe, of yourself, the houses that you put out there for the feral cats, uh, and there's an, you can't miss it. Uh, out of all the podcasts are at wabcradio.com. You can actually go back and listen to some of the different shows. Uh, and like I said, it is, people are like, they can't get enough of this. So if people want to continue the conversation, uh, how can they get in touch with you and the Guardian Angel Animal Protection uh, Division? Well, guardianangels.org, that website, and then the Animal Protection tab, uh, you can also email me at nancy at guardianangels.org. And by the way, we should probably have an update next week on the Animal Welfare Hour about my pursuit of becoming the rat czar of the city of New York. You notice Eric Adams, he doesn't have a rat czar yet. I've noticed that. He's too busy down in oh, El Paso. Yeah, he's here. He's yeah. taking vacations. He's too busy in El Paso. We're going to put that by his favorite reporter up next. That's my friend, Dominic Carter. W-A-B-C. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 W-A-B-C. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. I always find the right uh, song would find me to conflate with the issue we're talking about. This is the song about El Paso. Ah, interesting. Which uh, I noticed your friend uh, Eric Adams uh, couldn't wait to get down there this weekend, although... Went offered the opportunity of going back in August by Governor Abbott. He said, no, thank you. Why now? Why now, Dominic Carter? Well, I mean, obviously he couldn't accept the invitation from Abbott, from a Republican. You know, it doesn't look well in Democratic uh, circles. And um, I saw the mayor Saturday, right before he left the Gracie Mansion. And all I could think about when I when I walked in was you and how you handle uh, security measures or how you when you wanted to get a point across to de Blasio. Yeah. And when I said hello to the uh, mayor, I, I almost asked, how how are you doing? But I said no, because he was rushing to get to uh, to the airport. Yeah. And uh, I don't know 
if he understands what happened a few hours ago when he was at the border at a Catholic church run by that um, that business known as Catholic Charity, which makes money from us, the taxpayers, for every illegal alien they bring across the border. He, he couldn't resist the photo op of approaching 40 of these guys from Venezuela. And I want you to listen to what transpired. Dominic, he invited them to New York City. This has gone viral. So this has already been on Univision, Telemundo, the national networks that broadcast all Spanish-speaking people in the Western Hemisphere, that he's inviting people to New York City. Now, you see, he... But I, I thought, I thought, I thought they were inviting themselves. That's what I thought. Why do you think they applauded the mayor? Because he was saying, we have good jobs in New York City. Oh, you want to come to New York? We welcome you there. He, he didn't understand... Now they're all going to want to come to New York? They all wanted to come to New York anyway. Is why he, why is, wouldn't they? Why is he the only mayor? Why didn't he go with a whole entourage, you know, Beetle uh, Jukes there uh, in Chicago, the mayor in Philly, the mayor in D.C.? Wait, wait, wait. What, what did you call the mayor of Chicago? Beetlejuice. She looks like what? in that movie, Beetlejuice, right? <laughs> Am I right? Mayor Lightfoot. <laughs> uh, by the way, Lightfoot, who goes to the teachers' union. Oh, yeah. She's a piece of work. And... Ask them to get the students to come out and volunteer for her reelection. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's not surprising. It, you know, if you just look at her tenure, it's. But, but, I, I mean, I just want to make sure I got this right because uh, what I was leading with at at midnight is that uh, the mayor was there, and and wait, let me backtrack here. Call me, say I'm not sensitive to the situation, but explain this to me. What is the point of meeting with the migrants? That was a mistake. Notice Biden avoided that. Yes. Because he would have said something stupid like, oh, we welcome you to America. But but I don't understand. What what is the point of meeting with the migrants? The photo op. What, what, what photo op and just to say humanitarian the humanitarian effort should be American citizens that are going broke trying to pay for all of these benefits that uh, that these migrants are receiving. And Adams, your boy, is now putting the bill at two billion dollars. No, that's Sid Rosenberg's boy. Oh, here we go. As you know, here we, here we go. They kiss each other's tuchus. You know, they're two metrosexuals in love with one another. Here we go. I just said, I advise I'm, I'm not touching that. Don't get in the hot tub, guys. Don't get in the hot tub, you guys. But, you know, he didn't go over to Juarez. I've been to Juarez on the other side of El Paso because there they have the federales. You know, these are the fake police of Mexico, the national police who basically are bought by the narco-terrorists, uh, by the sex traffickers, and the drug dealers. We are federales. You know, the mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. That's where he should have went, and he would have gotten an eyeful. 
because I've mm. been on the Juarez. Now, I was there in Juarez when everybody wanted to be in Juarez. It's a party town. You have the military that are right there in El Paso. The bridge would be packed, people trying to get in to Juarez. Now, not so much because it's dangerous because of the narco-terrorists. They'll actually hang people on that bridge. You know how the bridge is divided? Half of it's in Mexico, half of it's in El Paso. They'll hang their adversaries from the bridge as a message because the Sinola cartel, which is run by uh, Shorty Pablo Guzman, who's in uh, uh, Colorado, uh, the Supermax prison now, and the other cartels, they battle one another. They chop off heads. It's horrible. So I, I have another question. Hey, Mayor Sliwa, yes. how would you deal with the migrant situation? I say, we don't want you in New York City. You're, you. not want, you're, not, you. you're not welcome. You. You're not wanted. And how dare you? We put you up in the... Uh, Tent City. No, no, no. We're putting them up in the... the can, can I have the commercial there, please? It's- Come on along. I'll take you to Yeah. Remember that commercial? Now listen, listen what they charged you. Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail, dinner, and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby of Broadway. So it's $500 a night for the room. Yes. We give them good food. They throw it away. They throw it away. They're smoking weed. Where right. do they get the money for the weed? They have Corona beer in their rooms. Right. And they're having sex in the stairwells. Of course. I would kick their ass back to Venezuela. I would say, you are getting the hell out of here. We're putting you on the bus. Come hook a crook. Go back to Venezuela where you you ungrateful blankety blank, 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 blanks. And then there's Eric Adams saying, well, we have to be culturally sensitive. <laughs> they're stealing from us. Where are they getting the money for weed? No, but, but for Corona, you know it's a hustle. It's a come on. We're both from the street. We know what time it is. We we don't know what time it is. Look, if they could play baseball, we could use them on the Yankees. Venezuelans are great baseball players. <laughs> we could use them on the Mets. Give them a tryout in Randall's Island when they were out there. They should have tried them out, right? But other than that, ship them back. I would ship them back. I would forcibly take them and say no. You have invaded our country. We tried to take care of you. You threw our food away. You went out. You got weed. You're having sex in the stairwells. Oofa! Love you, man. No, I don't go that way. By the way, I will never be caught in a hot tub with you, Dominic Carter. <laughs>